0: Hello, and welcome back to another fantastical episode of the Hit Podcast, So You Think You Can Fan It, the only podcast on the internet that you can listen to while wearing AirPods. I'm Jake, also known as Greg Chudley, and here we have the usual Sergio, Matt, and Kai. How's everybody doing tonight, fellas?
1: Still
2: it in there. Doing all right.
0: Now, today is a special occasion for... (gasps) We are reading a favorite among us.
1: Among us. Among
0: us. All Guardsmen Party. Among us. No.
2: <laughs>
0: but not only that, <gasps> but we have something special alongside that. Would you like to introduce yourself, guest of this episode?
3: Hey. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm from the. You know, not as famous as this podcast, but I'm from the Lorehammer 40k podcast.
4: Sometimes we like to extend a hand to a younger, struggling podcast. <laughs> yeah, as exactly. Uh, pod- yeah. As we are.
3: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm, you can't tell, yes. but I'm on my knees before you guys. It's okay.
4: Oh, yeah. You've already kissed our toes. It's great. Yes. <laughs> You've already submitted the, the the offerings.
0: How does it feel to be uh to be collaborating with such a controversial podcast? Because we are... <laughs> According to the other people we've collaborated with, yes. controversial, <laughs> which was news to us and also an honor.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a form of street cred when people call your podcast oh, yeah. controversial.
1: It's nice. Oh, it's nice. yeah. It's
0: like selling to the Crips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we begin reading, why don't you tell us about yourself?
3: Um, Yeah, I've... Just a Warhammer 40k player, always have been, came out of the wound holding a paintbrush and a miniature, and, you know, just haven't put it down ever since. Um, How'd you survive the paint fumes? You know, it's, you just kind of got to get to go with them, and eventually you get to really get in that vibe flow, you know? <laughs>
0: the The womb is surprisingly <laughs> ventilated.
3: Yeah. Toss some spray paint cans into the mix. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, and uh, yeah, I've been doing Warhammer 40k for like 20 years. uh, And then about five years ago, me and my one other friend, we decided to do a Warhammer 40k podcast about the lore. Um, So yeah, we've been doing that for five years and just plucking away.
0: Nice. What's funny is before Sergio came up with the idea to have you on the uh, podcast, I actually listened to some of your podcasts while I was driving one day. I was going on a road trip to visit my brother and then I just like threw it on for a bit and I was like this is cool. I like Warhammer lore.
3: <laughs> ah, well, we won't get along then, but that's fine. It's fine. There's three other guys to talk to. <laughs> it's
0: I mean, when I say like, it's kind of <laughs> like a uh, like a begrudging torture.
4: You can yeah. enjoy elements related to it. <laughs>
2: Mark has done what uh, our usual guests do and uh proved that they are uh that we are the young ones in this equation. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. We're always the young ones.
3: <laughs> How long have you guys been doing this show for?
2: Um
0: about 2 years.
3: Yeah, almost 2. Nice. You've nice. been
4: doing Warhammer stuff as long as we've been alive, if that's <laughs>
0: A little bit. Of, if it's only twenty, then it's a little bit shorter. Uh,
3: <laughs> we
4: know someone who is younger than your entire Warhammer career.
3: Yeah, it's this so funny also to say true. Stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, I talked to a kid the other day. I'm like, "Yeah, my favorite movie's Lord of the Rings," and he's like, "What? What is that? What are you talking Duh. about?"
0: <laughs> yeah. How old, how old was this creature? How old is this creature?
3: Yeah, like he was a twenty year old kid. But like, that's yeah, insane. What? Like, but that's, that's our
0: insanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I know. That's, that's scary. Fun. When the Hobbit came out, my dad went to one of those like movie event things where it was like all four movies, like like all three of the trilogy and the first Hobbit movie, all in a row. And I wanted to go. And when he got home, he was like, "Oh, it's fine. You didn't miss anything." There was this one guy that pissed himself like three times, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "I was like, that sounds typical." <laughs> so uh what are you what are some of your non-warhammer hobbies
3: um during the summertime i i have a street bike so i like you know riding motorbikes
2: and dirt uh-huh. biking and
3: uh yeah i'm i don't know i'm just a kind of regular dude really Are
2: are, are um, you telling me you're a warhammer fan who touches grass i don't believe you
3: yeah man believe it or not i even got like kind of a farmer's tan going on No. Yeah,
2: man. Next you're going to tell me
4: you've actually seen a human woman.
3: (laughs) Well, only on
2: the internet, but... You you mean a sister of battle? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, women are real. (laughs) Women were invented by GW to sell miniatures.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that one, but it's canon.
4: It's canon now. I mean, why else do you think we keep hearing that women are how more babies are born? They're trying to get more customers. (laughs) <laughs> it's all coming together
0: so be, be, before we begin the read um just a, a quick a, a quick couple of Warhammer questions sure do you have do you have a story of how you got in the warhammer besides like obviously you've been doing it for a long time but like is there any like distinct memory of like like oh I was I was at the store and I saw this little spaceman
3: <laughs> uh no, I was at school and one of my friends had like a white dwarf magazine and I seen it in his desk and, you know, I, I stole it and I just looked at the miniatures for hours and hours. And then I started eating the paper and just anything I could do to get these miniatures, <laughs> inside the me.
0: Paper. <laughs>
3: you know, but yeah, so I, I seen the miniatures and then I went to my local game store and was just literally just addicted, you know? Um, it started
0: with it started with cri- a criminal enterprise stealing White Dwarf magazines. And it's led it's led into a podcast. Yeah, that is it, the pipeline.
3: You can do it too, children.
0: There's a lot. There's a lot of discussion for the alt right pipeline on the internet, but I think the true alt right pipeline is stealing White Dwarf into podcast. <laughs> Yeah. So
3: yeah, I did that. And then uh, a lot of my friends got into Warhammer too. So then it was just very easy to kind of keep doing it. And you know, there's been times where I haven't touched it for a year, two years, but then I always come crawling back to it like a dog to vomit.
0: Oh, yeah. That's how they get you. Because you're like, oh, I'm done with this. It's so stupid. (laughs) And then they just release that one miniature.
2: And you're
0: like, "Eh, I can pick up some Black Templars. Maybe next year
3: I'll try to have a child to afford it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know,
0: sell the kid. Get the get the get the new avatar of Kane. What's up, sir?
4: <laughs>
2: I was I was gonna say because only you will understand this joke. Uh, he got he got Warhammer as well.
4: I, <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> There's an in joke. We're not gonna go into it. We don't have time. The word We're Warhammer playing. and the number two have deep don't go together trauma related to us.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: We can, it's not that long of a story. We can go into it. Our friend Nick, um, we were <laughs> we all bought the first Vermintide, nice. and we were all playing. There's three of us, and we wanted him to join. And it was on a Steam sale a few years ago. And we go, you should get Vermintide too, so you can play with us. And he goes, oh okay, I'll buy Vermintide too. And then he bought Vermintide two, the second the sequel. one sequel. And he goes, "Guys, I'm ready to play." And I go, "Nick, I meant like Vermintide as well." <laughs> so we so we so we started calling it when we got eventually got to, we started calling it Vermintide as well.
3: <laughs> I like that.
4: It was a trying moment in our
0: friendship cuz Nick got really upset about that. Yeah, he was pissed. <laughs> He's like, I just spent like $30 on this game.
3: (laughs) and None of my friends even want to play it with me.
0: So um, are you just in the 40K or are you into Sigmar or Fantasy or the Lord of the Rings miniature game? Because that's a thing I guess I should ask.
3: Yeah, man. Like I actually got into Lord of the Rings miniatures first. When I got into 40K Uh. and stuff, I was young and my parents didn't let me have – demonic 40k shit so i'm like i'll get i'll collect the lord of the Rings stuff and then a couple years i just started getting 40k but yeah so I've, I've dabbled in that and i've kind of bought the odd little age of sigmar fantasy army but nothing too
0: serious fair enough i feel like there's a surprising lack of crossover between 40k and fantasy fans i feel like they're very much in their own boats which is weird because the settings definitely share a lot
4: it's almost like they're nearly the same. Principal similarities with the chaos <laughs> gods, and a racist human empire, a bunch of <laughs> alien foreign creatures.
0: Only this one takes place on not Earth.
2: Trademark.
4: Yes, not Earth. Definitely not Earth. Warhammer
2: world, because we're doing a yeah, we're sure. doing a presentation on fantasy Warhammer fantasy lore. Cool.
3: Warhammer Fantasy, yeah. I like I like that that setting definitely way more than the AOS.
0: I think everybody does. Oh, yeah. yeah, fuck yeah. That's why they're bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. I, the, you know, they, can't, they canceled the, the Fantasy line and then release like, four bangers over the course of, like, two years. Because they released Vermintide 1 and 2 and both Total War Warhammer 1 and 2. All within a couple years of each other. And all yeah, of them sell really years. well. Yeah. Anyways, what's uh, what's your favorite faction? Would you say, and least favorite? Let's go with that too, because I think that's a fun question to ask.
3: <laughs> uh, favorite faction? I love Imperial
2: Knights. Um, uh-huh. That's an these... that's an interesting answer. I don't think yeah. I don't think I'd, I I know anybody who would answer that. Yeah, like they're these
3: giant fifty foot tall robots that are like ruling this medieval society, and it's just such a sweet picture where you have. Horseback riders in suits of armor riding beside this knight, and they blast the fucking battle cannon at the castle and just explode it.
0: I oh, would yeah. love it. I I love those min, those like I, I I don't I shouldn't call them minis. Those like two and a half foot tall imperial knights that they sell for like ten thousand million dollars on yeah, the fourth I, world website.
3: I have a Warlord Titan. Um, oh, yeah, God. yeah, that thing's a fucking beast.
2: <laughs> How many babies did that you sacrifice to get that?
3: Thankfully, none of them were my baby, so I didn't bother to keep count.
2: Okay. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. Yeah,
3: there's, like, no sentimental value there, so. All right. Mm. Oh, and then least favorite faction. Um, I'm going to go with Space Marines.
0: Controversial pick, but also not at the same time.
3: Yeah. Like, I've been in the hobby for 20-plus years. Um, I'm just fucking over Space Marines, you know? They're cool, and I love them, and when I was younger, I really loved them. I've probably made my 10-plus chapters of my own lore, you know? But Mm -hmm. you can only take so much.
0: They haven't um... really changed.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then when they do change, great, we got Primaris Marines. That that was a fucking disaster.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it's generally more accepted now than it was, like... Seventh edition. Or was it seventh edition? I came in at the end of eight, so like officially came in at the end
2: of eight. Primaris were eighth edition.
0: Are you sure? I think yeah. so. Yeah. I thought I thought the resurrection of Rabute Gilliman was seventh edition.
3: It happened like at the very end of seventh. They did like their whole like campaign, their three book, the Eye of the Storm or War of the Storm, or Five. It was uh-huh. the Gathering Storm. Gathering Storm, yeah, there it is. Um and then yeah, so and then like that was the last three books of seventh or whatever, and then they released eighth with like Raboot Gilliman and Primaris Marines all that.
0: Uh-huh. Bang-a-Wang. Also, on the Lexicanum page for for Primaris Marines, they really named the first one Alpha Primus. Yeah.
3: Yeah, there there's definitely uh like a lack of creativity with the Primaris Marine. Like even all the mm-hmm. names of their unit are all just like Fucking OKGW. Okay, get get the hell away from me. Your names are atrocious. That's how I feel. There was
0: a there was a novel that was released recently that was a space wolf novel where a firstborn is talking to a Primaris and he's like he's like, What rank are you? And the Primaris goes, Intercessor. And the firstborn goes, What the fuck does that mean? How do you <laughs> exactly. intercess? What does that mean? <laughs> uh, you gotta you gotta hand raise?
4: Alright. We know what your favorite and least favorite factions are, but you must have another favorite and least favorite that everybody always always talks about. What do you feel about the Primarchs? Who's your boy? Who's who's the worst
3: one? Man, they all suck. They all equally take the <laughs> last spot. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. So, like, like I said, I came into this 20 years ago. So back in the day, we didn't have the Horace Heresy books. I remember me and my friend, my friends would sit in small circles for like years and would be like, I wonder. This guy was like, and we made up all these stories for years because there was never any story for it. And then, you know, obviously they came out with a bunch of stuff. And the more you kind of flesh out some of these details, I don't know, they get clouded. And they're these weird characters that don't make any fucking sense.
0: Oh, It's kind of sad because, like, there are so many horror heresy novels. Yeah, Uh, We tried to do a panel at a convention. Uh, Did not work, to say the least. Because the Horus Heresy is fucking insanely long. But it's just, it gets sad. Because it's like, I want to read about Vulcan in the Horus Heresy. And then you look at the books about Vulcan, and they're the, literally the worst in the franchise. And it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to get a good story with Vulcan in it.
3: <laughs> uh, have you tried lo- reading the uh, the Beast Arises books? Where it's set in have... like, M32?
0: I have not, but I've I've heard good things.
3: Yeah, Vulcan appears in there too. So if you're looking for a little more cool Vulcan action, maybe check those books out.
0: My friend Nick loves Vulcan, and he was like, "Should I get the Vulcan Horus Heresy books?" And I was, I just, oh, I sighed, and I was like, "No, no, <laughs> you shouldn't." <laughs> oh.
3: Yeah, like th- the Primarchs were cool, and growing up, I think I liked. Um... I think I definitely liked Vulcan the most. I kind of always liked that, that craftsman. Um, I also like Proto, or not Proto Rabo, um, the Iron Hands guy, Ferris Manus. Ferris Manus. Ferris Manus. Yeah,
4: the, the man whose name is literally Iron Man.
3: <laughs> Iron
2: Hand. You always get that wrong.
3: <laughs> yeah, but just like these two kind of, they're not just warriors, they're also these hardy kind of blacksmiths, you know, just a builder. I, I relate to the building aspect that's fair yeah i don't also, really relate to the genocide aspect of the Primarch so very
0: much you know? yeah. <laughs> just kind of well you're an imperial knight fan so you you have to at least a little bit
2: <laughs>
0: because what else are the imperial knights really built for if not genociding whole planets
3: <laughs> protecting farmers crops
0: from enemies by genociding them by genociding <laughs>
3: hey them. if you have to go to another planet to protect your home planet's crops and genocide that planet you're just protecting your fields man
0: it's let's just... go to this feudal orc or the feudal orc world with like 50 titans and just blow
2: everything up <laughs> look if 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 you if you listen to our show for as long as some people have plus our 150 plus episode you'll come away and you'll be like man the guys are so you think you can fan and Love genocide. They support
1: it. Oh yeah, I'm a
0: big fan, <laughs> big fan.
1: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we talk so much about genocides from a certain character and franchise. I'll be right back. But not this one. Definitely Which not one? this one.
4: <laughs> we also definitely didn't read anything with a with a guy who once led Germany's name in it related to jesus christ we definitely didn't do any kind of adventures of a third reich nature with the holy bible nothing about that at all
2: oh you're talking about uh joseph stalin and muhammad a love story right
4: (laughs) yes yes joseph stalin and muhammad the love story (laughs) I don't know I what to say to that. that. I still, I it, got it got me. got me good. Talking about what? Hitler and Jesus, the love story.
1: Why do you still think about that? Kai, I'm not I sure you understand. I've it from my memory.
4: Kai, I'm not sure you understand. I don't have the power to get over it's it.
0: It's hard to forget.
1: Well, I so guess you just need spend, to level up.
0: Before we spend all day asking you questions... Why don't we, as 20 minutes into the episode of this podcast where we read things, let's read. Wow. Now, Mark, you know a little, at least a little bit about this, correct?
3: Yeah, I've read the odd chapter here and there.
0: Okay. So, uh, we were going to do a recap for those who don't know, but this begins with a recap. So, Matt, take it away with the recap.
4: This is the ongoing tale of a bunch of guardsmen who were drafted into the Inquisition after their regiment was reduced to a mere 37 men by a combination of orcs, heretics, more orcs, tyranids, and of course their own leadership. Currently, they work for an Inquisitor that is the 40k equivalent of Professor Oak. He provides teams and missions to interrogators who need to get some leadership experience before they go on to become full Inquisitors. The lot of these Guardsmen is rather thankless. They are matched up with five other less combat-focused team members assigned to an interrogator and sent out to fight the enemies of the Imperium. The squad has just boarded the shuttle to their next mission behind the familiar forms of the interrogator better known as the Rupert, and his manservant, Alfred. As they enter the shuttle's conference room, the interrogator introduces the guardsman to the rest of the team and begins regaling everyone with the story of his previous mission with the squad. An elderly woman, a small weasley man, a cleric and a tall man in a duster are listening to the Rupert's tale with a mixture of confusion and disbelief. I think that
0: describes the four of us <laughs> i don't know who the elderly woman is but Me. i definitely know who the weaselly man is
1: <laughs>
2: oh i know as well
1: yes i'm not gonna say
0: who it is because i think, it's funnier, I I think I it's funnier that way
2: i think it's funnier if we
0: don't name any names um <laughs> I don't, i'd like i'm not naming names
4: sarge is listening to the Rupert, and occasionally wincing and muttering corrections when enthusiasm gets the better of memory. Twitch has backed himself into a corner and is glaring at his new teammates while he fiddles with a proximity mime. Doc is helping Alfred serve tea and trying to keep Cutter out of the way, as the melee specialist wolfs down snacks like you wouldn't believe. The squad's new member, the flame trooper Crisp, is laughing heartily at the interrogator's story while thumping an uncomfortable looking cleric on the back. As they do all this, the squad vaguely wonders what the Rupert had meant by theological trouble.
0: Did the somebody die last chapter?
4: Huh?
0: Did somebody die last chapter?
4: I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, who was it that died last chapter? Was it Echo? Not Echo. Who was it?
0: Echo is not a character that I know yeah, of. You're thinking Echo of Star Wars.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's a Star Wars character. <laughs> was of it a it Heavy? Vein. Was there a character named Heavy? I can not remember. a
2: character named Heavy. I don't think so. Was yeah, it Doc? Let me check.
1: No, Doc is still alive. We just no, graduated. didn't someone just get their legs cut off or something?
0: Oh, n- Nubby. Nubby, Nubby got, uh, That's right. Nubby's in the, in the ER.
4: Yeah, or whatever. there was a character who got his legs just fucking <laughs>
0: off. Less than I do. Anyways. His the name old was go- Nubby before the legs were cut off. Yeah. You can read now, I'm sorry. I had to make the, the old joke. Go- it was, it was in my brain.
4: <laughs> the Old Guardsman party purged some heretics.
2: No shit. Here we go again, on our way to a planet that had separated from the Imperium for a few centuries to ask the locals why they had turned away from the light of the god emperor. This was not something we were even remotely qualified for, so we were all a little confused on why why we had been sent i I love the lore thing of a planet going, "Fuck you imperium we're gonna be we're we're leaving the Imperium, and they're like, "Oh, you'll get yours three hundred years later." Guys, do you remember that one planet? What planet? The planet that told us to fuck off? I mean, kinda. Reaches under a bunch of paperwork. Oh, yeah! Let's go send some space marines. Let's go
0: check on them and then send space marines if they're not done yet.
2: It's like Krieg. (laughs) They're like, what the fuck happened here? Technically, rooting out heresies what the Inquisition is all about. But this was an entire planet that had forgotten the Imperial Creed, not some cult of daemon worshippers hiding in the sewers. We all knew this was the sort of shit the Ecclesiarchy was made for. None of us were happy with the idea that we might be edging in on their turf. After the Rubert finished his story and had his tea sarge decided it was time for us to find out what sort of shit storm we were heading into in a typical rambling fashion our interrogator told us the tale of orc invasions imperial retreats scorched earth tactics and plucky survivors we dismissed most of his bullshit but the core of the matter seemed to be that a few hundred years ago a major Wah! had cut through the sector forcing a general retreat as part of the retreat the imperium had strategically abandoned the planet and nuked it out of on the way out to keep the orcs off of it. Now we were finally pushing back the orcs and the radiation was fading. That planet was going to be integrated back into the Imperium. The first step of this process involved inducting as many of the survivors possible into the Guard. These people were practically Deathworlders, after all, and the Guard could always use more Deathworlders. The only problem is that these yokels didn't praise the Emperor, and you can't have... Men like that in the guard. So the ecclesiarchy was called in and was doing its best to spread the faith and stamp out the more heretical local religions. Something they ran into spooked them though, so now we were coming to just see how heretical these people were. To no one's surprise,
0: our interrogator was an old family friend of our ship's captain. So instead of being treated as an uppity form of cargo, we were welcomed as honored guests and given real quarters. It was nice traveling with the Rupert. A guardsman can sleep anywhere, but there's something to be said for a bed with actual sheets. We settled into our quarters, got the perimeter defenses up, and got to know the rest of the team. Nubby's replacement in the, in the squad was Crisp, a big jolly flamer expert who, was, who the rest of us found vaguely unsettling. Just to be clear, we all liked Crisp. He had been the best damn cook in the regiment, was always laughing and joking, and could put a stream of burning promethium through, a, through the firing slits of an oncoming tank like it was nothing. He hadn't taken the regiment's death well, though. He had been everyone's friend, and all the deaths hit him hard. He started losing weight and stopped laughing after he joined the Inquisition. And from what we've heard, his squad's missions have been especially horrific. Every time we saw him between deployments, he had looked worse and worse. None of us had expected him to last much longer, but something had changed on his last mission. He was eating and joking again, and loved trading stories with the Rupert. It was just that his jokes didn't always make sense, and his smile was a bit too wide. We'd all seen guardsmen bend under pressure, and both Twitch and Cutter had pro- practically snapped. But Crisp's fixed smile and slightly twisted sense of humor worried the rest of us.
1: The rest of the team was less disturbing than Crisp. The Rupert and Al- Alfred, I almost said Albert. Albert. What the fuck? <laughs> and the Rupert and Alfred were the same as we remembered them, except for the masterwork augmetic that had replaced Rupert's charred stump of an arm. Oh yeah, I forgot that happened. Our interrogator had handpicked several experts for this mission, in addition to us guardsmen. For working with the locals, there was an arbite. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna keep arbeite. doing that.
0: Arbite is such a good word.
1: It's so much better than what what was it? Arbitee? Arbitee? Yeah, it's dumb. Arbitee. It's arbite. <laughs> yeah. Um, for I working about with the calling
0: them the, I'm about to start calling them the arbiter.
1: Hmm.
3: A good way to get exterminatist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for working with the locals, there was an arbite who had experience keeping the peace on feral and frontier word- worlds, as well as a greasy man who had served as a translator and negotiator on a rogue trader. The-, the religious investigation would be aided by a cleric who had worked as a missionary for several years and a tiny old woman of an adept who knew just about everything. We liked her. She didn't take shit off anybody and delighted in making Doc and Alfred uncomfortable. We didn't even bother trying to keep ourselves walled off from the rest of the team. After our last mission with the Rupert, we knew he wouldn't let us get away with it. We suffered through lectures on the Imperial Creed and acceptable deviations from the Cleric and Adept, basic language lessons from the Greaseball and Adept, and lessons on Frontier Law from the Arbite, and of course, the Adept. It was like being back in school, right down to the little old lady hitting us when we didn't pay attention. The whole experience was rather degrading. Aside from Doc, none of us were cut out for higher learning. We were guardsmen, not bloody diplomats. We couldn't duck out of it, though, so we spent our trip like a bunch of officer cadets, busting our asses in PT and being force-fed trivia by frustrated teachers all day, listening to the ramblings of an old warhorse in the evening, and sleeping like the dead all night. The trip slowly continued, and we suffered. But at least we knew we would be ready for anything the mission threw at us compared to this torture purging a bunch of heretics would be a walk in the park.
3: All right. Would you like to take eh? this?
0: Yeah. Um, You guys are fantastic readers. So here we go. Enjoy. That's that's such a compliment that isn't true. And I love it so much.
3: I think it was Matt who did the first reading. He's got a whole voice going and everything.
0: Oh yeah, Matt's he Matt's really our does. Matt's our certified narrator. Yeah, so yes. I'm glad I'm
3: very far away from him and he can't read after me. Okay? Just okay. Let's get to it. <laughs> okay. We made planet for, fall at the fortified camp that the survivor, wow, surveyors were using as a main teleport. The place was within spitting distance of one of the irradiated cities. And it was disconcerting to see the tower standing completely motionless and silent in the distance, the various leaders of the expedition came out to greet us and for a change, everyone seemed happy to see the Inquisition. It was weird. We spent we spent the next few days whining and dining with the matorium ecclesiarchy administratum and mechanicus officials of varying degrees of unpleasantness. We managed not to thoroughly embarrass ourselves, but for some reason, none of the survey or surveyors' leaders were as willing to tell us the exact reason that we had been summoned. We got a lot of vague and contradictory information, but everyone seemed to have a political agenda here and wanted to make sure we'd act in their interest before they told us anything useful. We couldn't even find the pontifex who had asked us for our help. Apparently, he had gone off to negotiate with some local priests and hadn't come back yet. We didn't have time for this shit. So we decided to stop pussyfooting around and find someone who didn't have their head stuck up their ass while Rupert and Alfred kept their obnoxious big wigs. Busy. We kept this while we split into pairs, found various assistants and secretaries that did actual work. Then shook them down for information. Doc and the adept talked to the mechanicus while the Arbite and the greaseball asked the administrarum some questions. The Cogboys and pencil pushers didn't have anything useful for us. Just a lot of junk about ra- radiation levels, incoming colonists, recovering biospheres, and irradiated manufactorums. The rest of the team had better luck getting useful intel, except for Twitch, who was left in the base because he had still banned, or still he was still banned from investigating
0: anything ever again.
4: <laughs> what did he do?
0: <laughs> what did he do? Didn't he? I, I feel like he blew something up because that's usually what happens. <laughs>
4: Yeah, there's a lot of <clears throat> really non-domestic terrorism going on all the time, every time.
2: Sergeant Cutter managed to find a very helpful lad working in the Munitorum who knew all about the locals. Apparently they were the hardest bastards this side of the Catacan. Uh, and had a very clear memory of who nuked them into the Stone Age, and had been spending the next last few hundred years rebuilding their civilization and fighting with the remnants of the Orcish invasion. They had built Several small cities, mostly over the underground bunkers, they had sheltered their forefathers. Fathers, which they defended with a mixture of primitive weaponry and scavenged imperial tact. The locals were overtly hostile towards the Imperium since they had since most of them saw reassimilation as a great improvement over their current living conditions. But they had abandoned the Imperial faith and developed about fifty different religions of their own. Crisp and the Cleric, who were paired up for mm-hmm. obvious reasons. Um I think it's supposed to be Crisp and the Cleric, but mm-hmm translation yeah had to search the entire ecclesiarchy camp before they found someone useful a sister dialogus who had been keeping track of everything according to her the ecclesiarchy had been spreading the imperial creed with a fair degree of success before shit went south in a single night nearly all of the active missionaries had been attacked by assassins or angry mobs, but Munitorum missionaries were, are tough bastards, and several of them killed their attackers and made their escape. In response to these attacks, a few squads of sisters of battle were deployed to sort things out. A little examination of the deceased assassins led them to one of the smaller regions near an irradiated city. The sisters went in, some serious shit went down, and about half the sisters came back out. They declared the place purged and put it under quarantine and called for us. None of this was exactly good news, but we knew the gist of what was going on and where to go next. A flyer was requisitioned, We all headed out to talk to the sisters.
4: We geared up for a fight as we flew. Whatever the sisters had run into had chewed them up pretty badly, and we weren't going to take their word it was dead. We landed right at the edge of one of the nuked cities. We were close enough that all of us had to wear rebreathers, and Doc warned us not to stay too long if we ever wanted to have children. The sisters had set up a perimeter around a large ruined building and set up a field barracks. As we approached, a senior sister came out, and the Rupert flashed his rosette. The sister superior took us towards the ruined building and filled us in as we walked. She'd been sent here with three squads to purge the temple. They'd rolled over the guards and busted down the door in seconds. They'd expected to find cultists and fanatics within, but what they hadn't expected was to find a horde of mutants backed up by psychers. You gotta give the sisters credit for sheer bloody perseverance. They stood their ground and killed them all, taking only 50% casualties in the process, and they completed their objective. Poor, dumb, foolish zealots. That sort of shit is what the Emperor gave us indirect fire support for. The reason we were called was apparent the second we entered the building. Sitting on the wall behind the altar, glowing like a big, glowy thing was a mark of zinch. Underneath it were the much smaller marks of Nurgle, corn and Slaanesh, and above it was the symbol of chaos undivided. Sarge started swearing under his breath.
0: Our training had been very clear on what to do in this sort of situation. We asked the Adept and the Cleric to take a look while the rest of us averted our eyes. When they were done, Crisp moved forward and drenched the whole thing in burning Prometheum while Twitch prepped a dead pack. The Sister Superior hit Crisp in the side with a flying tackle a second before a tentacle whipped out of the burning mark and seared the spot where he'd been standing. As we watched a dozen more tentacles As we watched, a dozen more tentacles squirmed out, and the sisters screamed at us to run or fight. We chose both. We all backpedaled madly while pouring a steady stream of last fire into the writhing mass, but the tentacles were emerging faster than we could shoot them. The interrogators and the sisters' bolters were having the best effect, so it was no surprise that several of the larger tentacles lashed out at them. The ruper drew his sword and parried the ones aimed at him, but the sister was knocked to the ground and a clawed tentacle seized her by the leg. Cutter saw his chance and started hacking at the limb, dragging her away, while Chris seized her by the arms and pulled her to safety. The tentacles were all focused on Cutter and the Rupert by now, who were both carving off any limb that came near them. They were actually starting to push forward, and it was a fair bet they could take the thing on and win, but we didn't feel like taking the risks, so we all popped frags. The grenade barrage severed the tentacles at the base and gave both Cutter and the Rupert time to fall back to the rest of us. We all slowly backed to the doorway as the tentacles regrew and vainly tried to reach us. When we had all exited, the mass withdrew into the mark, which resumed glowing. That sounds like Slanesh.
1: None of us had any desire to go back into the temple, but the chaos marks couldn't really be left there. The Rupert told Sarge to take out the squad and figure out a way to get rid of them while the rest of the team took the wounded sister superior to her barracks. As they walked into the large tent that undoubtedly contained several hot chicks changing out of their hot, sweaty armor, we stood around and argued about how to deal with a tentacle demon. There is no bloody justice. Several of us were in favor of calling in an orbital strike. What's the point of being in an in-, in the Inquisition if you can't go completely overkill? Sarge disagreed, though, so we all took a walk to the backside of the temple. Sarge proposed that we slap debt packs onto the back of the wall with the marks, but Twitch raised concerns about getting speared through the brickwork while the charges we planted. These were valid points, so while Twitch prepped several debt packs with adhesive, Sarge and the rest of us root around in the rubble for any pipes or beams we could get our hands on, and then we taped them together. Imagine, if you will, a 40-foot pole made of taped-together scrap metal. "'Now imagine there's a debt pack t- stuck to one end of it "'and five sweating guardsmen holding up the other end. "'Who knows what the sisters watching the perimeter thought of us. "'It worked, though, mostly. "'We stuck five debt packs to the back wall of the temple, "'right behind where the mark was, "'and only dropped two of them on the ground. "'We all fell back to a safe distance, "'took cover, and hit the de- detonator. "'When we peeked out of cover, the wall was gone, "'along with the marks in half the temple.' With our heads held high we headed to the barracks to inform the interrogator hoping against hope that there might still be some hot undressed chicks inside unfortunately there weren't any half naked sisters in the barracks when we got there but we did get to see doc have a heart attack well it wasn't really a heart attack it was damn close though the first thing we saw
3: when we entered was a sister superior lying on the table as a sister hospitalar treated her bloody leg the second Doc laid eyes on the Hospiteller, he started hyperventilating and tried to hide behind Sarge. Unfortunately, guard issue rebreathers aren't exactly quiet devices. All conversations in the tent was halted by what sounded like a metal grate being attacked uh, with a push broom. <laughs> Some weird sound. <laughs> Everyone included the wounded sister superior turned to face Doc, who started to turn on an alarming shade of crimson and a claw at his mask. and clawed his mask. Crisp and the old adept broke into the gales of laughter as the hospital ran over to see what was wrong with Doc. Only Sarge's assurance that everything was fine, saved the poor boy from terminal embarrassment. The rest of us removed our masks. Then Sarge, grinning like a schoolboy, gave a report to Rupert that was occasionally interrupted by inexplicable coughs, coughing fits. These usually happened when he looked at Doc, Maddox would not help by both Adept and Chris making dirty jokes about playing doctor in the background.
0: Let's ask some more questions before we read some more. Sergio, would you like to ask a couple?
2: Who do you think would be some of your favorite uh, 40K book authors?
3: Um, I really like um, Graham McNeil, Dan Apton and Aaron Dempski Dempsi-
0: Bowden.
2: Those are the correct. Oh, answers. so,
0: so,
3: so yeah. the, the,
2: the three the, that everyone
0: says. Yeah, that's man. crazy. Yeah. Have you read the um the new Gaskell novel? No, I haven't. Uh, I think it just came out outside of the limited print. Uh, it's called the Prophet. Of, I think it's called the Prophet of the Wall or something. I have it over here. Um, Ooh. it's very good.
3: First. What's the story kind of roughly about? Gaskell it's, obviously, but
0: yeah, it's it's a mixture of the story of Gaskell and the story of Makari, okay. and it's it's you know Makari is narrating it. It's very like unre- unreliable narratory. Like okay. Makari claims to die multiple times throughout the story and be reborn. Um. It's just it's very it's a very good story and it, it was written by the yeah, prophet of the Wall. It was written by Nate Crowley, who's like a a newer Games Workshop author. I think it's his first full novel oh, uh, yeah. under GW. But oh, yeah. it was it was very good. He also wrote um, t- two Necron novels recently. Okay. One, uh, one is the Twice Dead King. Rain and the Twice Dead King Ruin, I think they're called. Yeah. Apparently, those are also very good.
3: Cool. Uh, on Lorehammer for our 100th episode, um, we got to actually interview Graham McNeil. And, oh, um, really? Yeah, man, it was sweet. Like we we messaged them. So and you like, yeah, can down. we just have a half hour interview with them, and then we end up talking for an hour and a half to the guy and. It was fantastic. He's so good. Cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah.
0: Now if if I'm thinking correctly, Graham McNeil works for Riot, doesn't he?
3: Yeah, he does now.
0: How long do you know how long he's worked at Riot for? Because I found oh, yeah. that out recently and I was like, what the fuck?
3: Well, you're gonna have to listen to episode one hundred of Lorehammer for that answer. That's true. Yeah.
0: I'm looking I'm looking at you, audience. I'm pointing. <laughs> I'm also pointing. Yeah, that's that's crazy.
2: But um 2015 yeah. is the answer you're looking for. Oh.
0: Well, now they don't have to listen to it, Sergio. What the fuck? <laughs> fuck, <Fox>, Sergio.
2: <laughs> Do you have a favorite battle
0: in in 40K? One that just sticks out to you as being like super awesome?
3: Um Man, there's just so many. Every one of them is just sweet. But I think I really gravitate towards just like space battles. I was reading the sweet uh space wolf where he basically launches himself across the void of space in Terminator armor, and then just like rips enemy hulls open with his lightning claws and then murders everyone inside. Typical space marine behavior. But yeah, man, like I don't know, space battles are just kind of so oh yeah cool.
0: No, that's that's an absolute agree for me. The way that they write space battles in 40k novels are so cool. Um, I want to say it was the first Uriel Ventress novel has a really good space battle against Dark Eldar. Cool.
3: Did you guys ever watch the Warhammer... Sorry.
2: Uh, I was going to say, not necessarily space battle, but when Gilliman gets vented into space, and then he just tears the fuck out of a bunch of world eaters that was awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. what were you did gonna you say guys, mark did you guys watch the warhammer plus where
3: it was um the blood angel tv show and they had the space battle and they have the giant tyranid fleet fighting and
0: oof i have was... i have not seen any warhammer plus stuff because i don't have a subscription
2: fair enough and i think we all refuse to get one
0: yeah it, it doesn't seem worth it for me right now just because yeah. like I don't want to pay for it. I'm lazy. I already mooch off of my dad for all my other subscription services, and I don't feel like paying for anything.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, and we hear it, so you think you can fan it. Don't condone piracy, right, Sergio?
2: We do not, no.
0: Never. No. We would never, ever we commit pi- piracy
2: because it's illegal. Unless you want to watch and, Common Rider. Yeah, unless you want to watch Common Rider.
4: Then you literally well, you have to really
0: can't <clears throat> afford it. Then you could also or, pirate it if you want yeah. to allegedly, allegedly, I'm not, we're allegedly. not getting incriminated.
1: <laughs> we don't condone it, but you could do it. You can do a lot of things.
0: So mm. what got you into the whole, uh, podcasting shtick?
3: Um, I was a filthy electrician for many, many years. Uh-huh. And the only way to get through the workday was to listen to the podcasts and, uh, there just wasn't really a good lore podcast for 40k. You know, uh-huh. there was tons that did 20 minutes of lore, 20 minutes of battle reports, but there wasn't one that was just like, I want fucking five hours of lore. Just shove it down my throat. So I made it. Do you listen to your own podcast? Yeah, like 24-7. If you listen closely to my mic, you could probably hear it in the background.
0: <laughs> oh, damn.
3: Yeah. I'm- all day. I, all day. I, I'm not...
0: I'm not joking when I say I don't think I've ever listened to a full episode of our podcast after we've recorded it. It's not nice because off. I don't yeah. want to, mm-hmm. just because I hate listening to myself talk. And if I like, if I listen to things and I've heard stuff from it before, I stop listening. And since I've been in every episode, basically, it's I would start and I'd just be like, I already know this, and I just stop. Maybe the episodes I, I'm not in, I'll listen to sometime. But also because it's my friends talking, I feel like I'll trick myself into like responding and then I'll just be sad.
4: <laughs> yeah, full full stop. This is the, the full fan and reveal. Almost everything that you hear us talking about in on, on these recorded podcasts, it's literally just what we do in our free time. It's just we have a blocked out scheduled amount of time to focus on one thing. Normally, we're just shooting the shit, but yeah. the dialogue we share with each its is literally just how we
0: talk yeah.
2: to each other all the time.
0: Normally, it's a yeah. lot more hectic. I think, um, is the Monster Hunter episode out yet, Sergio?
2: Just came out today.
0: Aha. The, the, today's episode, for those who are listening to... Er, the episode, that doesn't work, it
4: won't,
0: Jacob. It today. <laughs> the episode on January 28th of the Monster Hunter Fan and Wiki, if you're listening to this in the future... Uh which is it's today for us, but uh probably a few weeks ago for you for you listening. We're from uh, the future. It's de- technically we're from the past. Oh goddamn. <laughs> uh if you listen to that episode, I think that episode may be the closest we've ever gotten to a to a normal conversation we have in our friend group. Just because we had our because friend Nick, Nick on it. And our friend Nick is the most like Nick I don't want to say insane. hectic person. Nick is a Nick psychotically
1: is funny man. He's chaotic. That's that's all you can say about him. <laughs> Jacob and
4: I pretend we're chaotic. Nick is off
1: the yeah. fucking rails sometimes.
0: I can say, I can usually think of dumb things to say to make people laugh. Nick doesn't think. He just says, and it's always funny. <laughs> like. It it is I I regularly tell him like you are absolutely the funniest person I know and he's like what? Eh, I don't know. I don't think so. And I'm like you you're a psychopath. <laughs> you can't do this to me. If
3: you're not like, funny every, then I ah!
0: half of the friend group like inside jokes were created by him just like saying just something just saying from the like shit. bottom of his the bottom of the back of his mind <laughs> it's out of nowhere
4: I've only managed to do that once or twice in my life I think oh, the yeah. one that Nick laughed at the most was when I said Nuggy Tuggy Man Nick I thought that was p- him no I made that up I made up Nuggy Tuggy Man and then Nick co-opted mm-hmm. it because he laughed so fucking hard at it the first time he heard it he almost died
0: there was um, a group of people that were not in our friend group, but like in a friend group of someone that we were friends with. Who friend we were. Yeah, friend adjacent, I should say. Uh, who we like, we didn't like them, but we kind of just were indifferent about each other. Uh, and one day, Nick just starts calling them the Chum Bucket Pals. And that's, <laughs> we still call people the Chum Bucket Pals five years later.
2: But for those because, listening, like our fans, Chumbucket Pal was the original Greg Chudley. It was the original Chud?
0: That's true. We we've kind of started calling people Chuds or Greg Chudleys, but Chumbucket Pal was the <laughs> OG insult back in the day. Greg we would w. any we would just call people uh the Chumbucket pals if if they if they made us mad. Um,
4: beware! We will you call goals? you mean names if you make us angry.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Like Chumbucket Pal or Chudley Boy. Do you have any goals for your podcast?
1: Um, <laughs> well, on the
0: topic of Chumbucket.
1: To yeah. not be a Chudley, right?
0: <laughs> not be a Chumbucket Pal.
3: Um, honestly, like, uh, I don't know where Lorehammer goes from here except more of the same. Like, we've been signed by Spotify. We've had famous offers on got signed on
0: by Spotify?
3: Yeah, man. We got a Spotify exclusive contract um last year we did you can do that yeah man like what they approach? approached us and like hey we'll give you a shit they ton of money to you yeah man like yeah that's crazy
0: you're making money for this shit what the we hell you need to
3: get in on this <laughs> yeah i uh we need a, we i've been need able like to a... quit my uh main electrical job and i've been doing lore hammer full-time for two and a half years now um making oh, more money, so.
0: that's insane that's actually yeah. crazy
3: yeah, so like I, podcast plans. It's like I I don't fucking know. I didn't even think I'd get this far.
0: Yeah, I I think does I think that makes you the most successful person we've had on this, except uh, for maybe <laughs> Doctor Cerise. because I mean, it, does TikTok famous count? If you have a lot of TikTok <laughs> followers, I think she has she nice. followers on TikTok. She, she was a very nice person. And she was very fun to talk. I think of like like numbers that we are knowledgeable of. I don't know how your numbers are. I don't know if Spotify tells you that. We use Anchor and just upload everything on everything. So that's just an how way. we. So, yeah, that, that's kind of how we would deter, determine our success levels. But, um,. <laughs> Yeah, we done. definitely do not have thirty thousand TikTok followers. That's for okay. sure. We, we have an estimated audience size of twelve. I think we. Uh, I think if we That's had about a TikTok
3: as well. about the same.
0: I think if we had a TikTok, we would most likely, um,
1: probably get banned. <laughs> we'd be canceled immediately. Most likely, if not banned, we'd
0: be banned day one. The the words we say and the way we say them would probably get us uh, in a lot of trouble, considering that people have gotten in trouble for significantly less bad things on that platform than the things we say probably every episode.
2: We might encounter some of the people we indirectly made fun of, because we don't do that on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I think that we're blacklisted. Like, we might not even be able to make an account...
2: All the all all those people <laughs> that I made fun of on Wattpad, who I claimed can't write for shit, are gonna rise up <laughs> and get us kicked off of TikTok.
0: Have we ever actually done that? To my knowledge, the only the only author we have ever insulted was the guy who wrote the the pedophile fan fiction about Full Metal Alchemist. Well, I, I made
2: the, I made the statement that nothing on Wattpad is good, and nobody has been able to prove me wrong. And every time I go into a podcast and I make this statement, they can't prove me wrong; they agree with me. So if you're out there and you found something good on wattpad send it and i'll yeah. give it a chance we're looking at you, we're looking at you, ralph.
0: do you do you have a fan that interacts with like everything you do that you just like at this point you just like know like oh ralph like we have ralph from new jersey who's <laughs> like the only person who's responded to our twitter and just like <laughs> like we're we know he's a real one he's always listening we shout him out sometimes.
3: <laughs> this one's for you, Ralph. I love you, boy.
0: Yeah, uh... do, you, do you have anybody like Ralph?
3: Uh, man, we get so many messages, but uh, I've actually made like a lot of long term nice? friendships um, through this. Like I have friends that have flown over from the UK and like have spent time with me. And, you know, wow. originally he was just that crazy Ralph dude, but now he's a true homie. Mm-hmm. So it's been cool.
0: Wouldn't that be nice if we got messages all the time?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's We're... a blessing and a curse. Um, people oh, yeah. just I'm think sure. that uh, they can blow up my phone anytime, so my phone's basically always vibrating. Um, so
0: I'm, the, I'm the uh, the worst person at, at social media, so I think my brain would just shut off if that happened.
3: Yeah, it was funny. Like Before I started Lorehammer, I didn't even have a Facebook account or nothing. Like I, I didn't do Ooh. any social media. And then I got it, and then I'm like, fuck, I guess I should.
0: Have to. I only have a Facebook for my Oculus. Nice. Like that's it. I have people from work added on it and I think Sergio and that's about it. <laughs> but I'm just I've always I've always been terrible at social media just cuz I like looking at things more than I like talking on social media. <laughs> although, although I I am happy to announce on the subject of uh of me being controversial, I did uh, someone did attempt to ratio me for the first time. I saw yesterday.
2: I I helped you out with your ratio. Your, your I know ratio. I
0: <laughs> he got zero likes, retweets, or comments on it, and I was like, dude, how did you fail a ratio on a tweet with two
2: likes? Yeah, J- Jake hit him <laughs> with a why don't why, why don't you call up some bitches or whatever. Yeah. Spider Man Twitter is a toxic
0: place. <laughs> but that's not what this episode's about. Do you play the tabletop?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't I played the I assumed you did edition. because you
0: paint. Are you waiting for 10th? <laughs> because at this point. Yeah. I feel uh, like 10th is kind of fast approaching.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I would maybe pick it up again in 10th edition. Um, it seems like I, I get into every other edition, you know.
0: Mm hmm. Um, I played a lot of a. I haven't really played lately. I play, I used to play a lot of tabletop sim, but my friend who I would play with got very busy, and so we just haven't played. Yeah, um, fair enough. I'd like to. My, uh, been... One of our friends got me to learn how to play Star Wars Legion, the uh, Star Wars war game, yeah. and so I'm forcing him to learn Warhammer. So we'll see how that goes.
3: Star Wars Legion has the craziest amount of 3D dif- 3D printed clone troopers you can buy. It's outlandish, man. You could look for days just scrolling through like, well this clone has two fingers up instead of one. Like every pose oh, yeah. you can do. I'm think sure. Of. I love it. It's crazy.
0: Do you print your minis or do you buy them? Or do you both?
3: Um, I've bought the odd mini, but I don't think the technology's there yet. Um Unless you get like a really, really high end, high end printer, but even then, mm-hmm.
0: or a resin printer, yeah. Our I've, friend I've, Mitchell has a resin printer, and he 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 enjoys it. He doesn't print like whole minis with it, really. He just prints like parts, and he's happy with yeah. it. Yeah,
3: yeah. Like if you're uh, printing terrain, buildings, maybe even vehicles, you can get away with it. But you know, you know I, really- I really do enjoy painting, and I'm decent
0: at it. And yeah, resin miniatures oh, yeah. just doesn't cut it. Am I? I like to Im- I like to imagine that I'm decent at it. Whether that is true or not is to be determined. Well,
3: everything's relative.
0: I'm assuming you play Imperial Knights when you play on the tabletop, or do you have other armies?
3: Um, Yeah, I've had a dozen armies over the years, but my four main armies are uh, a Tau army,
0: um, a Tyranid
3: army... Chaos Space Marine Army, and I have my knights, but I never play with them. They're just kind are
0: of... Are you a Tao lover or a Tao hater? I'm assuming a lover because you have an army, but maybe you <laughs> just think they look cool.
3: Oh, yeah. No, I'm a filthy weeb, for sure. For sure.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you watch anime? No, I'm not that much of a weeb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a weeb. I just don't watch anime. <laughs> I just like Tau, okay? <laughs> you can no, be um... honest. I mean, Matt and I read One Piece.
3: No, no, I, I honestly for... don't do much uh, anime or nothing like that. Uh, Have you I do... ever? You know, Have I've you watched ever... the odd one. Like, I've watched uh, Berserk. I've watched maybe 10 different Based. anime series. Based. Yeah.
0: If you there's but... any one to, to read or watch, it's Berserk, in my opinion, as someone who just got into Berserk last year, when a uh, little bit before Mira died.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. It's good. I'm I'm glad I watched it. Um hmm that, yeah, I don't remember the other kind of ones I watched, but it was kind of like, you know, I did the Google search 10 best animes and then just went down the list and watched them. But...
0: I'm going to guess a couple. Sure. I'm going to guess Cowboy Bebop. No. No? No. Um. Have you seen Evangelion? Yes. Okay. Have you seen and... the, post, the post-series Evangelion movies, like the rebuilds? No, I have no. <laughs> okay. Um,
3: I got just Ball, like a I'm little assuming. toe in. Dragon Ball ah, for okay. sure. Full Metal Alchemist was Brotherhood was pretty good.
0: Have you seen the original?
3: Um, I tried, but then I seen how many were in and I'm just like, I can't fucking do it.
0: Mm-hmm. I watched the original first because I was, I did not know shit about ass <laughs> when it came to anything when I was like 12. So I, I was just like, oh, I'll hmm. read a... I'll re- or I'll watch this and then I watched it. And then my friend was like, Watch Brotherhood, and then I watched Brotherhood. And I was like, Wow, those were both really good. And that's my opinion on Full Metal Alchemist. People are like, <laughs> never watch the original. The original is bad. Never watch it. It's different. It's terrible. I'm like, it's I like other than like the ending being kind of weird and like not really making sense. I it's it's enjoyable.
4: I it's a I lot like it. shonen. It, yeah, it's it's very anti shonen in a lot of ways, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll share my little hipster moment. I actually watched the original Full Alchemist before the Brotherhood came out, because I watched Adult Swim as a kid, <laughs> and uh, holy shit, I had a lot of nightmares about that show as a kid. Oh yeah, especially when. I remember uh... Go ahead.
0: I I was gonna say I remember. I watched it after I broke up with my 8th grade girlfriend because I was sad. I I laid in (laughs) bed and watched it on my Nintendo 3DS XL.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: This is a true story.
1: You are very much dating yourself. Jeez.
0: I'm not even the... uh, If if this were any other episode, I would be the oldest slash second oldest here. But that is very much not true right now so i'm not dating myself unless half of our i'm pretty sure half of the people who listen to us if not more are older than us
4: which is weird i don't know how to feel about that
0: i know sarah shout out to sarah she's listening to this listens to us sometimes yay and she is it it
1: would be bad if
0: people oh
1: that's not bad I, I feel like it would be worse if we just had a ton of people who are like way younger than us watching our episodes because it's like no <laughs> mm-hmm. get out of here we we do have, have like five percent under
2: uh yeah five percent zero to seventeen I I okay, have well, in my Twitter 5% bio leave. <laughs>
0: yeah, I have Go in away. my Twitter bio if you're under the age of eighteen not to interact with me
3: <laughs> that's a good rule of thumb
0: just because I I. I am not child friendly and I do not try to be child friendly. When people come into work with children, I just kind of I just kind of groan unless they're like really really cute babies. But even then, like they get annoying after a while. Ouch. Um, let's see. What else what other banger questions do we have? Do you play any of the Have you ever done like a Warhammer role playing game campaign? Like fantasy role play? Wrath and Glory, uh Dark Heresy, which is relevant to this episode.
3: Yeah, so we've done a bunch. We've played Death Watch, we've played um Black Crusade, uh I've dabbled a little bit with Wrath and Glory, and then on Lorehammer we actually made our own RPG and we did this uh our our own RPG system, very simple, and it was a Tower RPG and it was very fun nice Ooh. nice if you want to listen to it um if you go through the lorehammer library just look for like the eternal horizon rpg and it's a cool story where we just kind
0: of lorehammer library is such a good title <laughs> yeah there's some it, uh, yeah. we need something that alliterates like that we have too many letters in our in our in our name to have a <laughs> like that.
3: yeah it doesn't even make a cool
2: acronym either Hey, S Y T Y C F Fanon, is a perfect
1: acronym. I don't know. About. It's terrible. It's so bad. We always forget letters whenever we're saying it. Yeah,
0: like we're sitting there. We're like, "What's the what's the email for the podcast?" And we're like, "S what?"
3: When we started Lorehammer, the first three episodes, we called it a beginner's guide to 40k. And then we're like, yeah, just email us at abg 40 kcom dot com, you know. Yeah, you always miss the fucking letters. And then uh-huh. we came up with the lore hammer. And we're like, okay, purge. That's the how history. we are.
0: Only it's too late.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's too late to know. change suit. So, so you think you can fan on as the brand? We couldn't so think well, of
0: anything better.
2: The, we, uh, the, people, the, the working... people do complimented on us on it.
0: Yeah, people people I like all, the all your people.
2: artwork and stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Shout um, out to like Michael, it. who draws all of our artwork. Yeah, it's very cool. I like that you guys We've, are capable of doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we finally uh, got in. We, our old logo wasn't bad, uh, but it was really, really, really boring. It was just text. It was just the text on the new logo in a, with a black background. So I kind of, w- using my inability to use Photoshop because I'm, technologically impotent uh i whipped up a very 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 rough draft of the current logo which turned into kai sketching out one that was good and then giving and then giving it giving it to michael uh who promptly forgot about it for a month and then gave us the one we have now very nice and i i think it's safe to say that it's a very good logo for sure because i was like. I was like, Michael, we need a new logo. And he's like, no, we don't. And I was like, look at this podcast and look at this podcast and look at this podcast and look at this. And he's like, OK, we need a new logo. <laughs> um, let's get back to reading because we have a lot to go.
4: That we do. That we do.
2: Yes. Uh, eventually, Sarge finished explaining our situation to the Daemon problem and introduced the rest of the team to the Hospitaller we had met on our first mission. When the novelty of teasing Doc had worn off and he regained his composure, the embarrassed medic went over to help patch up the sister superior's leg. While he did this, the rest of us argued about just what the hell was going on this planet. We knew that this planet was filled with mundane heresy and expected to have to deal with some minor daemon cults. But this had been a, this had been a full-blown Zgian temple, right down to the arcane symbols, horrific mutant satanical monsters. On top of the other chaos symbols, seemed to suggest that each of the gods had a cult on this world. And they were all working together in some way. It was a wonder that the planet hadn't been sucked into the warp or something.
4: The elderly adept suggested tracking the other cults down and purging them. Our squad was in favor of sitting tight and calling for reinforcements, and the cleric wanted to us the planet on general principle. Eventually, the Rupert settled the matter in the adept's favor, causing the cleric to storm out of the tent, while the adept cackled and made obscene gestures at his back. We weren't exactly in favor of this plan, but we had expected it. The Rupert wasn't the sort of man to back down from a challenge. Of course, finding the cults wouldn't be easy. These were heretics hiding from the Imperium. It's not like they advertised and gave out pamphlets. It would take tireless searching, careful examination of evidence, and brilliant deduction to find the hidden temples. It was a near impossible task, but we had to try, so we all went with the arbitee to search the remains of the temple for clues while the rest of the team questioned. Within five minutes, Crisp found a pamphlet advertising the pit of carnal pleasures and demonic delights sitting on a table in the front room.
0: The pamphlet and its intriguing contents was was handed over to the adept and cleric for inspection. They confirmed that this place was Almost certainly, this Flaneshi cult we were looking for. So we collected our gear and got ready to pay the place a visit. The sisters were also getting ready to leave as well. They'd shown us the marks in the temple was pretty much wrecked, so the perimeter was no longer necessary. They were going to go assist the Pontifex in his negotiation with one of the local religious orders. But they gave us their contact code so we could fox them if we need a backup. The adept congratulated Doc on getting the pretty girl's number. The pamphlet pointed us towards a bunker underneath one of the larger towns that had been built by the survivors. By the Wastelander standards, this was a rich settlement. It was a major tr- ma- a major local trade hub and had a very—I <laughs> I think I'm having an aneurysm—fair-sized standing army to keep things civil. There had been some imperial contact and trade with the local nobility, so we probably wouldn't be shot on sight but we didn't think they'd be keen on us purging the bunker. The Rubert was all for marching in, declaring our authority, and having the local knobs aid us in our mission. The rest of us thought this sounded like a good way to get ourselves killed. We argued to the the point... I can't fucking read. Sorry. We argued the point with them and eventually came to a compromise. The Rupert and a few others would fly in and be diplomatic while the rest of the team would come in disguise and check out the possible cult. The plan called for the Rupert to make friends and slowly work the town's leaders up to the idea of helping us over a few days. If we ran into anything chaosy, we'll call for him, and he'd convince the locals to help us. None of the squad had any faith in its ability to convince, convince the Wastelanders to side with us, so we had absolutely no intention of calling him for anything short of a bloodthirster
1: we stopped at a small trade post and exchanged a few of our surplus weapons for sets of local clothing and armor the Arbite and the greaseball helped us get into disguise and prepped us on local slang and customs then we split up for a few hours walk outside town oh we split up for a few hours walk outside town i was so confused for a second there. too many verbs The diplomatic team consisted of the Rupert and Alfred as well as the Greaseball and the Cleric. They had a full spectrum of diplomatic skills at their disposal and the two two teammates who most annoyed us were out of our hair. As the rest of us started the long hike to town behind the Arbite, we speculated on what sort of trouble the diplomatic team would get into. Twitch thought they were all going to be sacrificed to the Dark Gods. Crisp painted some rather scandalous scenarios involving the greaseball that made us rather uncomfortable just hearing about it. And the rest of us had our money on the Rupert challenging someone to a duel. The Adept had a few interesting theories of her own, but the Arbite ignored us and muttered to himself about standards and professionalism. The Arbite walked us through the town's gates as mercenary escorts for the Adept. Between our scrap armor and well-used weaponry, we certainly looked the part. There was a bit of an argument over bringing Crisp's flamer inside the settlement. A quick bribe and a close look at Cutter's chainsword sorted that out, though. Once inside, it was damned easy to find the pit of carnal pleasures and demonic delights. Apparently, it was the major attraction around here. Unfortunately, it was a lot harder to get into than to find. Several armed guards were stationed around the large vault door that served as the entrance to the bunker, and they refused to let us in with our weapons.
3: We rented a room for the night and tried to figure out a way into the pit without abandoning our weapons, or bringing the entire settlement down upon us. None of us were stealthy enough to sneak in. We couldn’t find any alternative entrances, and the guards were noticeably unbri- unbridable. Unbrivable. Ah! The only thing we could think of was trying to hide our weapons inside our clothing. But after our previous meetings with the guards, they were sure to search us. We agonized over this for several hours before the adept came to our rescue. She was sure she could carry handguns for each of us pass the guards along with any small gadgets we needed. The next evening, we were turning to the pit, not as individual customers, but as escorts for the adept. The guards did a double take at this. Their usual clientele probably didn't include tiny old women, and nothing could have prepared them for how the adept acted. We knew the adept was feisty, and we all had heard her tease dock. But the things came out of her mouth that had a standing was slack or had a standing slack-jawed. We were all searched for weapons and cleared without incident. We had searched, uh, we had searched Twitch ourselves earlier, just to be sure. Leaving just the adept in the, her robes, she loudly cr- uh, cackled and demanded that the guards search her thoroughly and started fumbling and clasping as we all watched in horror. The guards practically shoved her inside and actually closed the vault door behind us. We heard gagging sounds from the other side of the hatch. Inside the bunker, there is a large freight elevator flanked by an open stairwell leading down into the depths. We rode down Chris. As we rode down, Chris complimented the adept on us getting past the Salaneshi cultists. Oh, those weren't Salaneshi cultists. They weren't? No, they're just some dumb muscle men. I'm honestly a little disappointed. I had this whole plan worked out for getting past them. Uh, what was the plan? Well, first I was going to seduce them all, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> crisp, fell, crisp fell over laughing while the rest of us tried to not vomit.
2: The adepts fished our weapons and emergency gadgets out of her robes, and we all tried not to notice how warm they were as we stashed them inside our own clothing. The freight elevator rumbled to a stop in a largely a large, dimly lit room. We cautiously exited and took stock of the situation. There was almost no light only one door, and the walls and ceiling above us seemed to have some sort of fresco painted on them. Keeping our hands near our concealed weapons, we slowly headed for the only door we could see. As we reached the center of the room, a pair of figures came through the door, and a dozen lights illuminated the pictures around us. We had some concerns about whether or not this was a Slaneshi cult, when the adept told us the guards weren't cultists, but what we saw painted in that room put those doubts to rest. Scenes of debauchery and sadism adorned every surface, each one more vile and heretical than the last. We all stopped and stared, completely ignoring the two figures figures approaching us sarge stood bolt upright and held completely still while twitch crashed on the floor muttering to himself and doc stared at his feet and blushed like a schoolgirl. both crisp and adept examined the images like art critics and cutter just didn't get it the arbyte was laying on the floor playing praying like a praying the pussy I think it meant like like a pussy but i guess it all works. we were shaken out of our trance by two of Two of voices speaking to us in perfect harm- harmony. A pair of naked women were walking towards us, smiling and asked us what we truly desired in our hearts. You. <clears throat> Down on the floor, we heard the Arbide start crying. Both of them were supernaturally beautiful and sounded like angels. A single word from either of them could convince a man to kill his entire family. But we'd all been through the song and dance before. The second they came within our reach, Cutter buried his knife in woman's neck and vo- a volley of silenced pistol fire slammed into the other. The two didn't have shit on our last interrogator. The bitch.
4: This quick burst of violence was followed by a short whispered debate about what to do next. We had a few handguns, a couple knives, a handful of debt packs, and a whole bunker full of cultists to deal with. This is where your typical Inquisition strike force would have ventured into the temple and purged the entire place using nothing but some silenced handguns and their wits. We. Did not decide to do this. We preferred life. The elevator wouldn't budge, but the adept refused to take the stairs, so we all got into firing positions around Twitch while he fiddled with the control console. We were all on edge. Any second, the rest of the temple would notice the two missing cultists and come for us. Phrasing, Our nerves were not helped by Crisp pointing out a picture of a man being pierced by what appeared to be an obscene power weapon, or the adept pointing out a few women who looked like Doc's lady friend. The horde of deranged cultists never came, though, to which bypassed the lock in the elevator relatively quickly, and we all piled on. As we rode up, we took the debt packs we had and stuck them to the shaft's walls. The general theory was to call in an orbital strike when we got clear, but it wouldn't do to have anyone follow us. We reached the vault doors without any alarms going off and used the built-in comm system to nicely ask the guards to let us out. As we came out of the doors, the guards all caught sight of the adept and Took a step back. We left the building without incident. As soon as we were clear, we calmed the diplomatic team and sprinted for the rented rooms where we had stashed our weapons. We grabbed our gear, headed for the park's flyer, and got aboard right as Twitch's debt packs went off. We could hear small arms fire plinking off the belly of the flyer as we lifted into the air and got the hell out of there.
0: So Rupert was a little cross about the whole thing. He'd been working hard at winning the locals over and expected a report on our, podca- our p- 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 progress. I almost said podcast. A report on our podcast. <laughs> Imagine a forty k podcast, like the uh, like like in universe.
4: That'd be awesome. The Voxcast.
0: The Voxcast. They just talk about the emperor. They're like, the emperor is cool." And request Where's for a local up? strike team. Not a message to drop everything and evacuate. According to him, the local baron and his cronies were fine, upstanding gentlemen, eager to mend fences with the Imperium, and perfectly willing to lend us some lads who could keep their gulp shut. Alfred silently shook his head in the background and did his best to indicate that the gentlemen would have killed us all, had, had us all killed, looted, and possibly eaten. Regardless of how well the Rupert had actually been doing at winning the locals over, setting off a few debt packs in their primary tourist attraction had definitely pissed him off. The interrogator completely uh, complained bitterly about all of his diplomatic work being wasted and how hard it would be to get, his, get this town back on good terms with the Imperium. Our request for an orbital strike on the bunker didn't improve his mood. We got quite the lecture about a soldier's responsibility to face danger and protect civilians. If it weren't for the steady hail of of small arms fire that bounced off the belly of our flyer as we took off, he probably would have ordered us us all back down there. With Alfred's help, Sarge managed to finally calm the Rupert down and convince him to call in the strike. As we flew back to the surveyors' camp, we saw a series of flashes in the distance and a confirmation was boxed in from one of the frigates patrolling the system. It was a shame that we didn't have any plans for the bunker, just an uh, just an estimate on the depth and direction from the entry shaft. They wound up burning down twice as far as we'd, uh, burn, oh my god. They wound up burning down twice as far as we estimated and walked their Lance battery in a pretty wide area just to, just to be sure the bunker was wrecked. The barrage also wiped out half the town. The Rupert was a bit sore about
1: that. When we landed back at base, the interrogator went off to work on damage control. As he left, he was muttering to himself about the political impact of calling in lance strikes on the survivors of a planet-wide orbital bombardment. We felt a little bad about that, but hey, we were still alive and mostly sane. We, went, we all went to grab some food and sleep, then got together to figure out what the hell to do next. Cutter didn't do this lame detective stuff, and Doc knew that he was out of his depth. They both wanted to call in some help. Crisp put forward the rather disturbing plan of lightly bombarding all of the mapped settlements and seeing if any fought back with demons or sorcery. He laughed afterwards, so it was probably a joke. Probably. Twitch thought the entire planet was one massive cult and we needed to call in the Inquisition. When we pointed out that we were the Inquisition, he suggested that we call the Double Inquisition the Inquisition that Inquisites the Inquisition. We put that down as another vote for calling in reinforcements. Sarge wouldn't have any of that, though. He was certain the Rupert wouldn't call for help unless things got absolutely dire, so he wouldn't embarrass the whole team by asking until we had exhausted all available options. The only major source of clues we could think of has just been turned into a pit of slag and glass. This just left talking to people and searching through records. Neither of these were our strong suit, so we just dumped that job on the rest of the team. They quickly established that while most of the surveyors didn't know anything useful, the ecclesiarchy scribes and one sister dialogus had records on all the local religions. While the adept and the rest poured poured through the piles of tedious documentation, we did minimal social legwork needed to keep the Rupert happy and tried to stay out of everyone's way unfortunately bored guardsmen have a way of getting into trouble
3: twitch kept to himself and did his usual thing while sarge tried to keep everyone out of trouble and in shape crisp and cutter spent their time cooking for the camp and hitting innocent training dummies with the sword uh, respectively doc spent more and more time using the base long range secure box to talk to the hospitaller while she helped the sisters with whatever they were doing it was probably a grievous misuse of his inquisitorial authority. Then one night he asked us if we wanted to go down and lend the sister a hand. Apparently there had been some minor trouble at one of the larger settlements and are having some big strong men around where to uh, make things go much better. We all snickered at this lame excuse and packed our bags. It was remarkably easy to get Rupert to let us off the hook. We weren't really doing anything productive at the base and liaising with the ecclesiarchy sounded like something we should be doing. He sent us off with his blessing on a transport that was taking supplies out to the sisters. We didn't even bother informing the rest of the team. Doc would have died of embarrassment if we told the adept. We were ready, all ready to do our duty as fellow soldiers and wingmen. We would violently throw ourselves on whatever psychotic battle nuns were in the area while Doc went in for the kill. A few hours later we were all in a full biohazard suit, acting as nurses in a feral world plague in a feral world plague ward. Thanks, Doc.
2: All right, banitors. We will be back after the break. Welcome back from the break. Uh, we all went upstairs and used the bathroom and grabbed some drinks, and we lost two people. Uh, Kai died, uh, tragically, uh, to a tyrantid swarm that had bust into his house. He fought valiantly, but he couldn't couldn't get him off. And Mark, well, Mark's head. Well, in the toilet. let's let's his just say
0: let's just say that Mark, um. Found out some information he wasn't supposed to know and the Inquisition had to um, yeah. put him somewhere. Yeah, it's sad. It sucks.
4: You Any know what doesn't user. suck, though, is reading reading All Guardsman Party never sucks because it's awesome.
0: True, 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 true.
2: <clears throat> In retrospect, we really should have looked more closely at the crates we had been sitting on during the flight. Every one of them were... F- was filled with medical supplies or building materials the moment the transport landed, the hospitaler and a few of her friends started bossing us around. They used the medical corpse corman tone of voice that every guardsman is trained to obey. We went from highly trained inquisition agents to obedient grunts in seconds before any of us could figure out what was going on. We built a field hospital, been crammed into biohazard suits, and were being ordered around by a bunch of scary doctor women. The field hospital was actually pretty large. It wasn't just us and the medical sisters. There were several ecclesiarchy doctors and workers moving around too. We weren't really expect expected to help with the medical procedures, thank the emperor, but we were moving bodies and equipment around and calming down some of the less happy patients. We could see why the they wanted a few guardsmen around. Some of the locals were still very unhappy about their treatment for some reason. We all got a few bruises, keeping them still, and Twitch nearly lost a finger to a biter. The day crawled on, and we toiled and fought with angry patients. Well, Doc worked shoulder to shoulder with the Hospitaller. We all gave him dirty looks every chance we could get, but he didn't seem to notice. Eventually, there was a lull in the flow of patients all around us. And all of us, except for Doc, stepped out for a minute. What we saw surprised the hell out of us. The field where, where discharged patients were being laid was filled with empty spots, and the pile of corpses behind the hospital had grown unbelievably large. The Sisters of Battle were having trouble holding back a an ang- very angry mob. It occurred to us that there were probably more important things that we should be doing than helping Doc get some.
0: We ran back inside, grabbed Doc in the hospital and asked him just what the hell was going on here. The hospitaler explained that during their mission here, she had encountered several people showing signs of highly vi- vi- virulent, 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 yes, virulent but curable diseases. She immediately she had immediately called in all available personnel to contain the sickness and save as many people as possible. The sheer number of locals was infected was staggering, though, as was the variety of diseases afflicting them. It was amazing there are any still alive. Doc claimed to have encountered over 50 different diseases throughout the day. The patient he was currently working on had no less than 10 of them, including rock lung, green death, and grox pox, all of which should have instantly been instantly fatal. The hospitaler helpfully pointed out that grox pox was actually a disease that afflicted grox, not humans, but confirmed that there was no way the patient should have been alive, much less sitting up and cheerfully scratching his boils. I thought that said balls. I also thought that to balls. Balls. Well, Chris blocked. <laughs> Why did I just laugh at myself saying dolls? <laughs> well, Chris laughed about the Grox Pox. Uh, heavily blushing Doc administered the drug cocktail that would suppress the patient's numerous diseases. We all watched it horror as the man fell over twitching and screaming. Doc muttered something about not being such a baby, called for a stretcher, and moved on to the next patient. Sarge pondered the fact the squad's medical officer not only diagnosed a human with a livestock disease, but also didn't see anything strange about his cure leaving the patient in much worse shape. He vaguely wondered if all the interrogators and other inquisitorial agents who had dismissed the squad as a bunch of bumbling idiots didn't have a point. Sarge's reverie lasted about a second, then he smacked Doc upside the head and bawled him out for not connecting any of this with the fact there was a Nurgle cult somewhere on the planet.
4: The reaming was interrupted by the sound of bolter fire from outside. We all grabbed our weapons and rushed out to see what was going down. Either the mob or the sisters started doing crowd control, had snapped, the sister superior and her squads were all pouring bolter fire into an onrushing mob of angry locals, and it should have been over quickly. The first few ranks of angry civvies should have been mowed down, and everyone else should have remembered urgent appointments elsewhere. They didn't stop coming, though. Everyone the sisters shot was simply trampled down as the mob pressed forward, baying for blood. If they'd been guardsmen with lasguns, things might have gone quite poorly for the sisters, but a bolter packs a bit more punch and power armor tends to shrug off little things like thrown bricks or small arms fire. They held position and mowed down wave after wave of what we were beginning to suspect were Nurgle-like cultists. We watched them for a while, purely to make sure they didn't need our help, not because we found a Bunch of hot chicks holding the line to be incredibly sexy or anything. Then our attention was grabbed by screams coming from the direction of the discharged patients. Several of the patients were rising to their feet and staggering towards the hospital and the sisters. As we watched, one of the ecclesiarchy workers tried to get a patient to lie back down. This patient responded by tackling to the ground and tearing at the poor man's biohazard suit with oozing hands. We promptly shot that cultist off of him and started... Uh, loudly ordered just everyone. Vomited. Not click yes, bait. it's the, it, it's the uh, on-brand Nurgleite infesting my body. Sarge then loudly ordered everyone who wanted to live to lie down and hold still. Something like two of them actually did that, while the rest of them kept coming. So we started shooting them all. Doc and the Hospitaller were not very happy about how we were solving the problem, but it was doing something.
2: Uh, the cultists were surprisingly durable. Nothing short of a headshot or dismemberment seemed to keep them down, so we took our time and went for kill shots while Cutter and Chris kept them from getting too close. These poor suckers didn't have anything on Tyranids or Orcs, and we finished them off without let them laying a hand on us, but a few of the ecclesiarchy bias had been caught in the middle of them we didn't we got most of them out alive though except the one twitch accidentally shot but no one besides us saw us so that didn't really count once the internal threat had was handled we turned our attention towards securing the perimeter and calling for backup the cultists outside were still trying to get past the sisters but the fact that they're dead compl- that they're dead completely choked the main entrance kept into a trickle twitch brought the sisters some more ammo and went to work on the rest of the perimeter while Cutter and Crisp handled the corpses inside the compound. It was sort of disturbing watching them pile up bodies and rose them a massive bonfire, especially since Crisp kept cracking up over something. Doc and the Hospitaller put in charge a few patients who hadn't tried to kill us. Doc seemed a little depressed over the whole thing, which was understandable as first dates really left a lot to be desired. Once Sarge was sure everyone was doing something productive, he got on his box and contacted the rest of the team. The Rupert was not happy when we asked about the possibility of getting another orbital strike.
0: We settled in for the night while the Rupert got the rest of the team together and had a final formal dinner with the surveyors. Uh, it, was, it wasn't it was that bad, really. Sure, we were sitting in the middle of a miniature zombie apocalypse, but we all had biohazard gear, help was coming, and the perimeter was secured like nobody's business. We weren't able to completely slack off, though. We had to keep up a rotation with the sisters since the cultists were periodically rushing the entrance and nurglings were starting to, starting to claw their way out of the pile of corpses that had choked the entrance. Despite them being horrific abominations of the warp, we sort of like the Nurglings, which is the general thought for anyone who sees a nurgling. <laughs> nurglings no. are fucking great. Have you seen them? This is uh this is a so you think you Fan an official announcement. Uh go look at what the nurglings look like in Total War Warhammer 3. Um they're f- they're very funny.
4: They're just they're just little beanie goblin boys.
0: They fucking, they, they're they like mechs. They they co- they like link together to make like bodies, like nurgling bodies, just stacked on top of each other like three in a trench coat. Can I say that? It just occurred to me. Are we censoring out <laughs> the word? Yeah, don't, don't stop. Like three children in a trench coat.
2: Cause I know I you keep using the sentence. term mech, but I think, the, I think what you mean is a golem.
0: Uh, you're a fucking golem. They're like a they're like a megazord of Nurglings. Fuck you. Okay. They weren't very dangerous compared to any of the other demons out there. and made amusing popping sounds when you killed them. And they were the final proof that this <laughs> was a chaos cult and not some colossal screw-up on our part. We could have sat there killing those little disgusting things all night, but the sisters didn't like them enough. So we eventually we sent Chris forward to torch the heaps of diseased corpses. As the disgusting smoke rolled over us, we all thanked the Emperor and the Hospitaller for our biohazard gear. The flames finally convinced the cultists to give it a rest and things stayed relatively quiet until morning when we heard several flyers in the distance. The transports landed near the hospital and, the disgorged, and disgorged several crates of supplies and a bunch of troopers of <laughs> biohazard While while a few light flyers scouted the settlement. Finally, the spiffy flyer our team had been used landed near the main entrance. The Rupert stepped out, congratulated us on holding the line, and asked for a status report. And the picture of this one is a quite nasty looking, nurgling.
4: What's this next picture of? Is, is that an ogre that is or something?
0: A, no, that's a pox walker. Ah, okay. Or a plague bearer, maybe? Hold on.
4: We all felt fairly smug as Sarge delivered the report. No one had expected us to find one of the cults on this trip, but we responded quickly and professionally when the cultists showed up. The Rupert seemed pretty happy with our report. He happily announced that the only thing that was left to do there was to modify, identify the source of all this disease and purge a it. The Plague Bearer. Okay. We all winced at the thought of walking through a settlement filled with cultists and minor demons, but orders were orders, so we started gearing up for a walk across town. Luckily, we never had to go for that walk. After a few minutes, one of the scout flyers reported a large group of cultists heading towards the hospital. It wasn't an attack this time. A large shield was carried into the square outside our compound, and from behind it, a phlegmy voice demanded to talk to our leader. Our knee-jerk reaction was to just blow the fucking shit out of them. Unfortunately, the Rupert was there and ordered us to hold our fire while he walked up to the front of the lines. With the Greaseball's help, our interrogator actually began talking to the Chaos Cultists and started trying to negotiate a face-to-face conversation. To the surprise of everyone present, he succeeded, and an old Withered Cultist came out from cover, followed by a giant of a man with a sword and what was unmistakably a Plaguebearer demon. We knew how this was going to end, or at least we hoped we did, So while the Rupert started debating with the heretic, we got ready to blow the shit out of everything.
2: The Rupert was holding everybody's attention nicely. Excuse me. Oh
0: wait, no, never mind. That is the right order. I'm ignore me. God damn it!
2: Jacob said another gamer word. No one even noticed as we turned our team's flyer around, so its side door was facing the negotiation. While Sarge stayed in the flyer, the rest of us casually cleared everyone out of the way. Got... Cutter and Alfred in position to grab the interrogator and waited for our cue. Before long, the cultist leader had the plague bear pull a disease-riddled corpse from behind the shield. He yelled something about the Pontifex god not protecting him while his faith in Nurgle had made him strong. He seemed to think that killing the local religious head was a pretty pers- Voice of argument for conversion. The Rupert immediately called the man a vile heretic, drew his power sword, and started to rush forward. He didn't get three feet before Cutter and Alfred hit him <laughs> from the side and dragged his dumbass out of the line of fire. As soon as he was clear, Slarch slammed open the flyer's door and opened up with the side mounted heavy bolter. The rest of us supplemented this with frags and las fire while the sisters advanced with their bolters. Plague bears were supposed to be tough, but it takes more than a little toughness to drive a heavy bolter backed up by grenades. Within seconds, it was reduced to a greasy stain on the ground, along with with the cultist leader. The big mother with the sword was a different story. He had sprinted forward where the Rupert drew and was dodging and weaving as he closed the melee range. Cutter rubbed his chain sword and got ready. Then was incredibly disappointed when a bolt round took out the charging cultist knee. We stood around and watched as the main swordman screamed about his tribe killing us all and adding our skulls to the skull throne. Chris just asked which tribe he was talking about. The dumbass told us. Shard shot him and we discussed our next steps.
0: The Rupert was very understanding about his rough treatment by Alfred and Cutter and was quite happy when we reported the location of the Cornet cult. The large, force of and, bleh, the large force of cultists the Flyers had reported fell back after we killed their leader, but we couldn't just leave them running around. We needed to neutralize this cult before we hunted down the, the Cornets. We were debating exactly how much purging was necessary. I just had a fucking... Aneurysm. We suggested that since we removed the cult's leadership and what was probably their only demon, a full Inquisition team wasn't really necessary. Uh... I I skipped a part. God damn it. We were debating exactly how much purging was necessary when the Adept chimed in. She suggested that since we removed the cult's leadership and what was probably their only demon, the full Inquisition team wasn't really necessary. She volunteered to stay behind with the sisters and support troopers to oversee the mop-up. If the Rupert would give her authority to... Order limited or, uh, orbital strikes. This seemed perfectly acceptable to all of us. It let us move out immediately, and a little old lady didn't really have the place chasing cornet colts. The Rupert made a few calls, had a brief meeting with the sisters, and we started loading up our flyer for the trip. As we packed the flyer and got out of our incredibly foul bio- biohazard gear, we said goodbye to the sisters in the hospitality. We all snickered as Doc tried to figure out a way to hug her without contaminating himself. He didn't, and was annoyingly mopey about it for most of the night.
4: Our destination was a jungled area that was known for two things being home to some of the biggest badasses on the planet, and for being absolutely filled with feral orcs. Twitch was not happy and repeatedly lobbied for simply burning the entire jungle from orbit. The Rupert wouldn't have it, though, with the exception of the tribe, we were heading for the natives, and they were perfect recruits for the regiments. We didn't know the exact location of the tribe we needed to purge. The surveyors had just mapped a larger tribal settlement near the edge of the jungle and filled in the rest with HERE BE orcs, lazy fucking bastards. Without a clear idea of where to go, flying around the jungle would be pointless, so we landed near the jungle mapped settlement and asked around for a guide. We had expected terrified muttering and evasiveness from the locals when we asked about the tribe of cornates, but to our surprise, everyone seemed to think that they were pretty fucking cool guys. Apparently, they were just about the best fighters around and would hire out to the other tribes in exchange for food and stuff. We guess that being near a large concentration of feral orcs sort of biases one towards big, angry guys that are willing to beat the fucking hell out of an orc to death with their own severed arm. It was pretty easy to get a guide after we explained that we were looking to hire a few of the cornates, and before long, we were headed into the jungle behind a young tribal that the Rupert had referred to as Um Umbubu. That was not actually his name. The Rupert just liked calling him that.
2: If any of us put together a list of things we wanted to be doing, marching through an orc-infested jungle towards a tribe of chaos cultists would not be high on it. In fact, it would be down at the bottom, right next between try to ride an angry grox while naked, and volunteer to assist Mago's biologus with his experiments. We didn't have any choice in the matter though. The Rupert wanted to go, so we had to follow. We coped with our displeasure in traditional guardsman fashion, which is to say we complained bitterly about everything and did our best to make sure that everyone else was unhappy as we were. This would have been wildly unprofessional we felt pretty justified though we could have been riding around our nice comfortable flyer but no that would spook the quarry and draw the wretched green skins and it was more sporting this way and umbubu would be too scared to guide us his name wasn't even umbubu it was chris and that boy grew up a ne- grew up next to a jungle full of feral orcs he wouldn't have even batted an eye of something tame as tame as flying after what he'd seen no one listens to a guardsman. Everyone <laughs> thinks that they know better than us. Really, the hike through the jungle wasn't that bad. The Arbite and Umbubu were good at scouting and breaking tra- trail. We skirted around the dens of several mutated animals, dodged an orc raiding party, and made sure not to touch any pretty looking flowers. Things were just about as ideal, consider. what we would be doing, but we still grumbled and Twitch was in a constant state of near panic. Twitch did not like the orcs, or cluttered lines of sight, or loud noises, or sleeping in a position that had been fortified over a few days. To top it off, he was dead certain that someone was following us, and after a few days, the Arbidi and Mbubu started agreeing with him.
4: What were you saying, Matt? The fact that his name is just Chris and and not Mbubu is so fucking funny. (laughs) Please continue.
0: Mbubu said we were nearly to the tribe when the orcs hit us. A twig snapped, a bush rustled, and suddenly the, Ar- the Arbite went for his gun, and Mbubu was gone. Guardsman instant kicked in, and we all dove for cover while Alfred pulled the Rupert and the cleric behind a tree. The barrage of spears missed all of us, except for this greaseball, who now looked like a, a bit like a pincushion, but with more blood and gurgling noises. Damn, rip bozo. Hashtag pack watch. The spears were immediately followed by a band of feral orcs screaming and waving crude axes as they charged. The first few were blown into chunks by the grenades, Twitch had tossed on reflex as he grabbed cover, and the next batch was taken out by a barrage of las fire. But the last few managed to get close, managed to close to melee, managed to close into melee range before we could get to line of sight. My dog is barking. Hold on, I'm gonna go yell at him. Cutter and the Rupert sprang into action, power and chainswords whipping across the rushing orcs. The moment they appeared, the entire hunting party focused on them, and we took what shots we could get. The fight was short and surprisingly one-sided. Cutter was an absolute beast in melee. Between his power sword and augmented arm, the Rupert could smash through the orcs' crude weapons. Both of them fought back-to-back, and any orc that hesitated to get near the whirlwind of death was shot in the back by the rest of us. After the last orc ran for it and was taken... Out by a uh, neat shot from the arbite, UmbuBu dropped down from the trees, and we gathered to take stock. None of us had been injured, but the grease ball was dead. Um So that's a lie. <laughs> In both the arbite <laughs> and UmbuBu were sure more orcs would be coming to check out the noise. We were getting ready to double time it towards the tribe when a pair of large men with swords stepped out into the jungle. I see a picture of Joe Rogan.
4: <laughs> Only a quick grab from Sarge kept Twitch from hosing the men with las fire. We all watched with weapons ready as Umbubu greeted the two tribals and introduced us. The men were remarkably restrained for cornates, neither seemed inclined to rush us, screaming for blood. Instead, with Umbubu's help, they told us to come now, children, bring your skulls. As we followed them, several young tribals came out of the grove and started hacking hacking at the dead orcs and Greaseball's corpse. None of us felt very comfortable with the situation, but they were taking us where we wanted to go, so we rolled with it. As we walked through the jungle, it thinned and we started to see headless orcs strapped to the trees. As far as border signs went, it was quite effective. When we finally reached the village, the first thing we all noticed was a giant pile of skulls! It was freaking huge! At a rough guess, there had to be something like five million skulls in the pile. It was amazing there were any orcs left on the fucking planet, much less in this jungle. We weren't sure how many years they'd been adding to it, but even if it was started the day the planet was nuked, it was still impressive. A more educated observer, like the Cleric of the Arbadi, might have made several notes about the tribal's cultural dress and building styles and whatnot. All we noticed was the pile of skulls, and that everyone seemed to be seven feet tall and carried a giant fuck-off sword. Our two guides led us to a larger hut, instructed us to enter, and left. Inside the hut was an old man, who looked nothing like a cornate cultist, and with Mbubu's help, he asked us if we were here to pay tribute, trade, or ascend. That last option caught our attention. We held a quick whispered debate and decided that there probably wasn't any harm in asking what he meant by ascending the old man clarified by asking if we had come from the lesser gods to test our strength and journey to the temple of unity
2: jackpot really there wasn't there was no way would there there was no way would say anything but yes to that it was like walking into the armory and being asked if we were here to pick up the new assault bikes our answer caused a fair bit of excitement and runners were sounded in every direction umbubu seemed to be about to try and clear up the confusion explain to, Explained explain that we were just looking to hire some mercenaries, but Alfred whacked him around the ear and told him to keep his mouth shut. We looked like the entire tribe gathered together and formed a ring in the center of the village. The old leader asked us who would fight for us to prove our worth, and both Cutter and the Rupert immediately stepped forward. There was another whispered debate as we tried to convince the interrogator to leave this to close quarters combat specialists. Before we could bring them around, the leader accepted and in bo- ordered both of them to remove their guns and enter the circle. As they entered, several tribals hauled a pair of massive cages into the ring and, play- and planted a massive... Massive sword in front of each of them the men inside the cages were huge not just tall and strong like the other tribals but covered with so much bulky muscle that they looked more like orcs than humans both of them were vibrating with a berserk fury that we could practically feel we were no longer sure their green this was yes good green this was a good idea Cutter and Rupert seemed confident, though. Each man moved in front of a cage, raised their sword, and waited. The old leader made a short speech that Mbubu didn't bother translating. The crowd started chanting. The cleric reached for his flamer and had to be restrained by Doc and Crisp. Sarge had a quick word with Alfred, with a clang of bolts holding the cage's closed, and were pulled out.
0: The two berserkers surged forward, grabbed their swords, and swung at Cutter and the Rupert. One could say that it was an epic battle filled with masterful dodges and parries, wounds that left the combatants bloody and even, but even more determined to win, and culminated in a brilliant counterstroke by the underdog. One could say that, but they'd be lying. It was more like a Roblox explosion bullfight. Sergio, please put the, you know, you know. Cutter dodged the first swing in a follow-up grab. Chet his his chainsword to puree and just ground it into the berserker's side as he strafed behind the giant. The berserker tried to turn and face him, but Cutter was much faster and just kept behind him while the sword dug deeper and deeper. We almost felt sorry for the coronate. His muscles were so thick that his arms couldn't even reach behind his back. His wildly swinging sword did did keep Cutter pinned pinned in close, but you don't need room to swing a sword after you get going. It was more it was, it was more like watching someone cutting down an especially screamy tree than a fight. On the other side of the ring, the Rupert had apparently adopted pacifism. There was no blood. There were no cunning reposts. The man just stood there and parried or dodged every attack. It was annoying for both the Berserker and us in the audience. The man never took an opening. He just stood there. The Rupert seemed perfectly willing to drag the fight out until Cutter was finished or the enemy died of exhaustion. We could all see the Berserker getting more and more frustrated as the fight actually wore on. He switched to massive charges in an attempt to overwhelm the smaller man. Of course, the Rupert neatly sidestepped these and to everyone's disgust, actually let the Berserker get back up after a particularly wild charge. Just as the audience is getting ready to lynch our dandy interrogator, the Berserker seemed to trip over his own feet mid-charge and stumbled face first into the flailing sword of Cutter's opponent. The fight ended pretty quickly after that. Cutter finished bisecting his enemy and the
4: interrogator finally gave in to our shouted instructions and decapitated the twitching remains of his Berserker. He had a sour look on his face, like someone had taken his favorite toy away, or insulted his choice of wines. As we all walked toward forwards into the ring, we could hear him muttering about being poor sportsmanship to end a duel so early. Sarge quietly thanked Alfred for saving our interrogator from his own sense of fair play. When Cutter's Berserker had finally stopped thrashing around, we all stood before the elder, an especially large man with the mark of corn carved into his chest came and stood before us, and a rather surly Mbubu half acidly translated a speech from the Elder. It was mostly about the glory of chaos and the big mother's place in our group as the guide to the Temple of Unity and champion of the Blood God, but there was also a bit about leaving immediately and only taking those who would be ascending on the journey. We paid Mbubu, who was still a little sore at Alfred and the Rupert, and sent the closest thing we had to a translator back home. Crisp slipped the kid a few ration bars and his spare snub pistol. The whole squad had liked the little guy. As he left, he waved to us and yelled several insults at the Rupert, who couldn't understand a single word and took it as a meaningful, heartfelt goodbye. Then we made a note of of the village's coordinates and followed the big coronate out of the village while all the tribals cheered at us and chanted about blood and skulls and whatever else they were talking about. We felt more than a little awkward when we called into the village's location and scheduled an orbital strike for later that week. The cleric told us that such feelings were caused by the taint of chaos clawing at our minds and prayed for our souls. We ignored him.
2: We spent a few days hiking through the jungle behind the coronate towards the Temple of Unity. He was actually a pretty nice companion if he ignored the whole sworn warrior of the demonic god of war and bloodshed thing. He would break the trail all day long and didn't complain that none of us really spoke his language. He was happy to kill every mutant beast we ran into. He even seemed to mind when the cleric tried to kill them. Just watch as we all wrestled the flamer away from the nutcase, then went back to eating. Crisp really seemed to be t- enjoy talking to him, and he finally found someone who truly appreciated his macabre stories, or at least the gesture and tone of them. They both stay up late talking and laughing with no idea what the other was saying. Hell of a guy that coordinate. We kept in touch with the Adept and the survey base using our long-range box. The sound of it, the Adept and the sisters were just about... Done with the Nurgle cult. It was just a matter of hunting down the ones who had fled the settlement. That vox unit was a bitch to carry, but it was worth it to keep up the date and what was going on to make sure a record of our discovery survived. We were hoping that once we found the temple, we could call down another orbital strike and call it a day. But as we approached the vox, started running into interference, eventually it became completely useless. We still had to carry the heavy thing, though. The day after the Vox cut out, we reached the Temple of Unity. The coordinates seemed almost reverential as he entered the clearing, as to be fair, the temple was pretty damned impressive. Damned being the operative word, the place hurt to look at. It was mostly stonework that looked ancient as hell. More recently, it had been covered with all sorts of spikes and the eye-watering sigils of each of the fourth Chaos Gods. It looks like we found the final cult.
0: While we took in the sight of the chaos temple, the cornet planted a sword in the ground and went to his knees in what looked like a prayer. While the cornet's eyes were closed, the Claire quietly drew his hand cannon, took careful aim, and blew the big guy's head off. This all caught us off guard, and Twitch had gone halfway out before we figured out what had happened. The Rupert was, rather, what the fuck does that word mean? A Acerbic? A serbic? A Serbian. A Serbian, a and we all expected Crisp to fly into a rage, but the portly flame trooper just laughed and shook his head at the whole situation.
2: It means sour.
0: No one was very happy with the cleric after that. Sure, it needed to be done eventually, but he had been rather unilateral about it. None of us had even been consulted. To make matters worse, the edge was clearing, and the edge of the clearing was now covered by a darkly glowing barrier that Alfred told us not to touch. Without the coronet, we had no way to get out. So with no exit and no functioning fox to call reinforcements, our only real option was to just go in and kill everyone. The cleric heartily approved of this plan, and we all told him to shove it. Our survival gear was stashed in some handy ruins, and we all loaded up for a serious fight. There'd be no pussyfooting around with disguises and concealed weapons this time. The heavy flamer and the grenade launcher were brought out, dozens of hand grenades were divvied between us all, and Twitch strapped on his entire supply of explosives. We prayed to the Emperor that we'd have time to recon the temple and set traps before the fighting started. Because if a a stray shot hit Twitch now, We'd been been to been, We'd all been blown to very small pieces
4: The Rupert was in charge of the operation, of course, but for once, common sense seemed to be triumphing over his love for epic battles and heroic charges. as the only remotely sneaky member of our group, The arbittee was sent forward to scout the area while the rest of us stayed very strongly in cover. As he snuck around the temple, a basic plan was formulated by the Rupert and delivered along with an inspiring speech about dying for the Emperor. Once the main entrance and as many side entrances as possible were located, we would all move up to a position with a clear line of sight. After that, Twitch, Crisp, and Cutter would move to each side of the side entrances and plant mines while the rest of us provided cover. When that was done, we'd blow open the front door, heroically charge in the temple, and give Johnny Chaos a taste of Imperial Justice. We were a little iffy on that last part, but mining the doors seemed like a good idea, so we went with it. The plan actually held together for a surprisingly long time. The arbity finished his sweep and got into a sniping position on a high set of ruins while we moved forward and Twitch's party split off. Mines were planted, remote net packs were placed, and there was no sign of the enemy as they moved from door to door. Twice, the main party had to rebase to keep Overwatch and Twitch, and as we moved to our third position, we finally spotted movement. We could all see someone moving below us. The question here was whether to let him pass by and hope he didn't notice anything, or to try and silently take him out. While we quietly debated this, the Rupert sprang to his feet and yelled, What ho foul heretic? and sent a hail of bolt rounds at the figure.
2: The cleric leapt up next to the Rupert's and opened fire as well as Sarge Doc and Alfred put shared a put-upon look. The figure moved with surprising speed towards our position, dodging from cover to cover, drawing a bolt pistol and sword as he ran. It was even odds whether he'd make it up to us before our interrogator or cleric scored a hit. But luckily, the RBD had a cleared shot, and the nice leg wound knocked the target down long enough for us to finish the job. Down on the ground, Twitch nearly killed his entire group, where the bolt fire surprised him in the middle of mining a doorway. He managed to recover, though, and used his calm to cuss out the entire team until he was interrupted. Throughout the ruins, Vox systems blared to life, an incredibly deep voice rumbled out in flawless low gothic. It welcomed us to its humble temple and ordered all aspirants to deal with the servants of the corpse god and bring any survivors to me. We all heard shouts and chants rising from the various entrances around us. We did not have a good feeling about this.
0: So no shit, there we were, sitting on top of a chaos temple in the middle of the jungle, surrounded by the sound of demonically powered warriors baying for our blood. We had a nice elevated position in a line of sight of on half the temple, but several of the unmined doors were on the other side of the pyramid we were standing on, and Twitch's party was completely exposed. There wasn't time to panic, the enemy was coming fast, and we had to get ready for a multi-directional attack. Twitch finished setting his last mines and bolted for the for a jumble of ruins with and Cutter on his heels. Doc and the cleric ran around to cover the far side of the pyramid, while Sarge settled into position with Alfred and the Rupert. The the Arbite was ordered to relay enemy positions that only opened fire if he saw a hostile we couldn't deal with. The first aspirant came out of the door came out a doorway on Doc's side of the pyramid, and the, he and the cleric immediately opened fire and managed to kill the to kill the target before he got ten feet out. Seconds later, we heard the sound of two sets of mines going off, and the Arbite reported cautious movement in several other mine uh, doorways. Twitch wasn't going to give them the time to disarm his mines or fall back. He hit his remote detonator, and the entire temple shook as half of its exits were sealed. We were pretty sure that the explosions or falling rubble killed a bunch of hostiles, but this, there wasn't time to celebrate since aspirants were pouring out of the remaining side doors as well as the main entrance.
4: What followed was a complete Charlie Foxtrot. These weren't anything like the Chaos Cultists we fought before. Each of them was well-armed and well-disciplined. They were a lot like the Traitor Guard we'd fought back in the regiment, but bigger, stronger, faster, and fucking full of demonic tricks. Some were supernaturally fast and dodged between shots as they dashed towards us while others just ignored their wounds. Two of them marched up the side of the pyramid, shrugging off Laz's fire and hosing Sarge's position with bolter rounds. It took a pair of headshots each from the Arbitee to stop them. Doc and the cleric were the first ones that were forced out of position. Doc was doing a pretty good job of covering the doorways, and the cleric's hand flamer was keeping flankers away. Then, one of the aspirants started glowing! The fucking lightning blew apart their cover, and only a quick dive saved Doc from following suit. He and the cleric fell back towards Sarge's position, and as they retreated, a pair of aspirants with chain swords came in after them. Doc landed several good shots as he could, and ran, but none of them were enough to stop the swordsmen, and right as they reached the top of the pyramid, the cleric turned and made his stand. The closer of the two aspirants was immediately toasted, and the cleric turned towards the second, but a man with a flavor on top of a pyramid is a pretty obvious target. A round caught the cleric in his leg, and his next burst went wild, only grazing the oncoming swordsman. By the time Doc had turned around, it was over. The cleric was dead, and 300 pounds of flaming chaos cultus was charging straight at the wiry medic. Doc dodged to the side in the nick of time, and the burning aspirant rocketed off the pyramid and started a bone-shattering journey down to the bottom. A second later, Doc overbalanced and followed him a little more slowly.
0: F. F in chat. I'm sure he'll be fine. I hope so.
2: Down on the ground, Twitch's team was holding their little ruined structure against all comers. Cutter and Crisp kept Coom- the entrances... Coomers. In- <laughs> and it's all coomers. Cutter and Crisp kept the entrances secured while Twitch took a few shots at anyone climbing the pyramid and tossed the occasional grenade. The enemy made a few attempts to push inside the small structure, but each time they were met with a wall of burning promethium, were hit with a chain toward the second we entered the door. They entered the door. Between his last fire in the rain and grenade, Twitch made it almost impossible for the aspirants to pass his little fire base. He was a constant thorn in their side, right up until one of them filled their grenade and tossed it back. The grenade almost made it through the window. Twitch was crouched under. It was a bit high, though. The nade went off right where the roof met the wall. With a groan, the whole structure seemed to collapse. The three, All three guardsmen ran for the exits, but only Chris made it clear. Cutter and Twitch were both pinned by falling stone, stonework near feet from the exit.
0: Up on the pyramid, Sarge was doing the most damage by far with his grenade launcher. From his elevated position, he could drop rounds on any aspirant who stayed at the ground level. Only the few who managed to start climbing the pyramid were safe from him. Alfred and the Rupert were doing a good job, keeping the enemy pinned uh, pinned for Sarge to finish. between the In between the Arbite and Twitch, anyone who managed to get onto the pyramid was quickly sniped off. Every once in a while, Alfred would point out an aspirant that was... Glowing, or had a staff, and everyone would redirect fire before something warpy happened. Things were, things were looking good. Sarge could see that the enemy was bogged down and running out of reinforcements. Then Doc came tumbling down the pyramid and landed at Alfred's feet. As the Rupert and Alfred got ready for incoming flankers, there was a grinding crash, and the ruins twitch was in collapse, leaving only crisp combat capable on the ground. Thinking fast. Sarge switched targets and the, and rapid fired the last of his grenades and the few remaining hostels near the collapsester ruins, and then ordered the Arbite to cover crisp. as he reached for his last gun. the two aspirants the first two aspirants aim came around the pyramid were dropped the first two aspirants that came around the pyramid were dropped by Alfred and the Rupert, but no one was ready for the third. To his credit, Sarge got off a shot before charging before the charging cultists landed on him it just didn't hit anything
4: a few thoughts flitted across sarge's mind he wondered why nothing ever worked out as planned he wondered why things kept crushing his chest and if he'd need augmentic ribs after this mission and the previous one finally he wondered if he should do something about the chainsword swinging towards his head sarge brought his lasgun up just in time to block the chainsword A guardsman's lasgun is a multipurpose weapon that performs well in several types of combat, and this was not one of them. The aspirant's blade started ripping through the lasgun with a horrible grinding noise. As the whirring teeth neared Sarge's face, he summoned every bit of strength he had left, planted his feet in the heretic's stomach and crotch, and he heaved. For the second time that day, an aspirant tumbled down the pyramid. This one didn't just bounce to the bottom, though. As the startled heretic flew over the edge and began his descent, the last two surviving hostiles that had been pinned on the ground started running up the steps. In an ideal galaxy, the falling aspirant would have crashed into the other two and all three would have landed in a pile at the bottom of the pyramid, then exploded. Unfortunately, this is not an ideal galaxy and only one of them was taken out. But while there was no explosion, the activated chain swords both aspirants were holding had about the same effect. The surviving heretic continued his charge upwards and reached Sarge's position at the same time as the sorcerer came over the top of the pyramid.
2: It was Alfred who saved everyone. When the sorcerer stepped out and began glowing, the butler screamed out a warning and put what little power he had into a shield. The sorcerer's lightning bolt smashed into the shield, and Alfred collapsed to the ground unconscious. The Rupert's reaction was perfect. He didn't even try to dodge the incoming bolt. The man had perfect faith in Alfred's shield. As calmly as if he were on the firing range, the dandy interrogator took aim and blew the sorcerer's head off. Behind him, the last aspirant cleared the ledge and took aim with his bolter. Sarge was down to his holdout pistol on combat night, but he was ready for this. Before the heretic got a shot off, Sarge put six inches of good old-fashioned imperial steel into the into his eye and emptied his stub pistol into the man's gun. And just like that, the fight was over. The Arbity calmed and told all of us hostiles had been eliminated and one-by-one one squad reported in. Doc had a broken arm and a concussion. Alfred was completely out of it. Cutter was unharmed but was trapped in the collapse ruins. And Twitch was buried up to his waist in rubble and might have broken a leg. Chris was relatively unscathed and was trying to dig Twitch out and nobody had even sharded the, Ar- the Arbite. Lucky bastard. When the Rupert held the merely unconscious Alfred and loudly mourned his passing, Sarge appropriated Doc's last gun and took stock. We were down to four combat effective men. The grenade launcher was out of rounds. There were two wounded and two trapped men that would need looking after. The fight was won, though. No one important had died. All that was left to do was go inside the temple and purge whatever was in it. Sarge eyed the big main temple doors unhappily. As he was there, an ominous grinding sound of the door swung open. A giant figure strode out. It was nine feet tall and wearing green and blue power armor with spikes on it.
0: Those of us who could still move dropped back into cover and held still. This was not a fight we wanted to have. We were wounded, spread out, and had only had anti-infantry weapons. We probably couldn't even dent the Big bastard's armor, much less kill him. In our book, the ideal weapon for fighting a space marine were a rangefinder, Vox unit, and nearby artillery battery. And if that wasn't available, a Lehman Rust might do in a pinch. We were not going to try and fight this traitor marine with nothing but last guns unless we had to. Uh, fun fact, depending on who's writing them, uh, Space uh, space Marines can, in fact, die in one shot from a From a, uh, a Lasgun? LAS if LAS it's gun? charged fully. Hmm. Um, it's not easy, but you can do it if you hit them in the head. The Space Marine moved forwards, occasionally kicking a dead aspirin out of his way as he walked to the base of the pyramid. Once there, he stopped, and we all held our breath. Then in a booming voice that we recognized from the Vox, he commanded us to stand and face him like men instead of cowering like children. We all did our best to get in touch with our inner child and did our best to merge with the ground. He all laughed when none of us responded to his challenge and assured us that he only wanted to talk. we had apparently done well to kill his, any, all of his aspirants and that he was going to offer us a chance to take their place. The Arbite chose this moment to shoot him in the back, Faster than any of us could track, the, the Marine spun around, hefted his bolter, and fired. We all winced as we heard a wet smacking sound, and the Arbites calm cut off, the poor dumb bastard. The Marine calmly turned towards the pyramid and resumed his pitch, which was honestly starting to sound pretty good. He was offering immortality, superhuman strength, a good medical plan, a tremendous upgrade in weaponry, and a chance to not get shot by a traitor space Marine. It, it would have been a great deal if it weren't for the whole swearing soul to chaos thing.
4: The Rupert was getting more and more agitated as the Marine talked. The man wasn't a complete idiot, but he was proud and didn't have an ounce of pragmatism in his entire body. After the third or fourth time the traitor told us the Emperor is nothing but a rotting corpse and recommended that we swear allegiance to a real god, something inside our interrogator snapped. For the second time that day, he rose out of cover and opened fire while we scrambled to stop him. The Rupert's shots were very well aimed, however. Ah, alas, the Marine was blindingly fast. He sidestepped most of the bolter rounds, and the only one to hit merely dented a pauldron. Once again, the Marine raised his bolter and returned fire. Sarge barely managed to catch the Rupert's leg in time. He gave it a mighty yank, and the Rupert crashed to the ground, missing an arm instead of a head. It was the remaining flesh arm, too. The man curses a blue streak while Sarge tied it off and dragged him back towards Dock. Down below, the Marine laughed and asked if he needed to come up there and lend a hand. When Sarge turned him down, he laughed some more and asked what we thought of his offer. Sarge expressed interest in his pitch and a desire to subscribe to the Marine's newsletter, then asked for a few minutes to mull things over.
2: Down in the ruins, Chris was watching the Marine and relaying everything to Twitch and Cutter. Twitch was wildly brainstorming ways to get his remaining debt packs onto the Marine, and Cutter was contemplating this was all bullshit and somebody needed to dig him out. Chris just sat there and quietly left the situation. It was all completely ridiculous. He laughed when the Arbiddy died, then he laughed when the Rupert lost his arm, and he nearly collapsed when Sarge made the crack about the newsletter. He removed his co-com bead- when Sarge told him to be serious or quiet. Eventually, the Marine ran out of patience. He gave us one last chance to join him before he started killing us. Sarge told him to shove it, but Crisp stepped forward.
0: The rest of us were floored. Both Sarge and Doc scrambled up to get a view as the portly flametrooper holstered his weapon to walk towards the Traitor Marine. We all started shouting. Doc pleaded for his soul. Sarge barked orders and threats in the most commanding voice. Cutter asked what was going on, and Twitch called him Traitor McTrader Pants and swore that he had known all along. Crisp ignored us all. And as he walked, he laughed and talked to the Marine. He talked about the death he had seen and laughed. He talked about the death he had dealt and laughed. He talked about the faithful men who had died and laughed. He talked about his prayers that hadn't been answered and laughed. He talked about immortality and the glory of living forever and laughed. Finally, he talked about madness and laughed like Huey had never heard before. The Marine laughed, too, and assured him that in the service of the Dark Gods, madness has purpose. He welcomed Crisp as a future brother and asked all of us to follow our squadmate's example. Every one of us screamed to Crisp as he walked towards the Marine. When he finally stopped in front of the traitor, started we all felt silent. There was a brief second when there was no other sound other than Crisp's laughing. Then Twitch hit his detonator.
4: Every Every single one.
0: Bru- you go. Bruh, Every single one sorry.
4: of Twitch's remaining debt packs was stuck to the back of Crisp's flamer tank, and the tank itself was at least half full. The explosion shook the entire temple, and Sarge could feel the heat of the flames from his position near the top of the pyramid. There weren't even bodies left, just little fragments of ceramite and a few puddles of burning promethium. We were all silent and just watched the flames for a few minutes. Then the Rupert asked what happened, and we all snapped back to reality. Doc needed his whole kit to treat the Rupert, not to mention his own wounds. Twitch and Cutter both needed to be dug out, and Sarge was adamant that we find a way to contact someone and tell them what sort of crazy shit was going on. Sarge went and grabbed Doc's bags from the stash and then went to work with his entrenching tool on the masonry trapping Twitch and Cutter. Eventually, everyone was collected and stable and it was time to decide what to do. There really weren't a lot of options. We had to go into the temple. Our vox unit still wasn't getting through so we needed to see if there was a better one inside. Doc wanted to see if they had a real medbay and we definitely couldn't find a way through the glowy wall up here. We all just hoped that there was nothing else still running around inside because we were very, very tired of this shit. All of us formed up behind Twitch and Albert, and went through the big front doors.
2: We had expected to be blood, corpses, spikes, and demonic ruins everywhere. The ruins were there, but after a few dozen, first few dozen feet of stonework, the place was surprisingly clean and ordinary looking. It wasn't even dark. There were little, there were tasteful little skull-shaped lights every few feet, just like an HQ. Nothing attacked us as we walked through what we began to think of as the facility instead of the temple. Uh, Apparently everyone who had lived and worked here had died in the battle. We found various training rooms, sleeping quarters, and armory filled with identical bolters and chainswords, and even found a perfectly normal mess hall. We didn't touch any of the food, though. None of us found anything there really interesting until we got the med bay, and when we entered, Doc froze and made a sort of high-pitched wheezing sound. Even the rest of us could see this place was incredibly well-equipped. There were all sorts of sighting machines and tubes and shit. After Doc got over the sheer quality of the med bay, he he commandeered Cutter as a nurse and went to work on his arm as well as the Rupert's bloody stump. We left it. We left him to it as we we checked the nearby rooms. The next room gave us a little pause. There were several tanks with what were probably aspirants floating in them hooked to all sorts of tubes. After a short debate, we decided the perimeter security trumps preserving evidence and shot them all. But we made sure to hit... As little of the fancy machinery as possible. Doc was rather insistent about that. The room after that held something that stopped all of us in our tracks. Twitch ran back to the roofer and asked what the Inquisition's standpoint of salvage was. He was rather disappointed when he told he couldn't keep the fully loaded Thunderhawk that we found in the Vehicle Bay or any of its Hellstrike missiles. The rest of us were similarly disappointed when we realized the Arbidea had been the only one who knew how to fly.
0: Eventually we got to a room with, with, green, with a green snaky looking thing on the door. This was the first one that was actually locked, but we got in after a little tinkering and finally found where the big Vox unit was kept. There was a lot of other stuff in there, but aside from a few armor tools and weapons, we had no desire to touch. Uh, None of it was very interesting to us. It took a while to get the Vox system working, but it seemed to punch through the interference no problem. We dialed the sisters up and gave a brief rundown of the situation to the adept. Then we went and got the Rupert out of the medbay because she didn't believe us. After that, it was a lot of talking and waiting. Messages were sent to the closest Inquisition base, orders were relayed to the survey base and the ships in orbit, and the remaining sisters were requisitioned to help keep the place secure until a full Inquisitor arrived. There was a certain temptation to just blow up the facility, but it wasn't currently doing anything chaosy, and someone smarter than us really needed to take a look at this place. The sisters and the Adept arrived by air. They They flew right over the glowy wall. Uh, which we still couldn't figure out how to deactivate. We all set up camp as far away from the temple as possible and covered it with uh, as much holy stuff as the sisters could bring. The adepts said the chaos runes wouldn't have any serious effects, but we didn't want to take any chances. We kept busy for the next few weeks while we waited for the investigation team. Doc spent his time with the Hospitaller, who was full of sym- sympathy for his broken arm, and helped him with everything. Cutter found out how to activate the training remotes in the facility and spent most of the time hitting things with a sword. Sarge made Twitch help him clear the bodies and the fragments of Chaos Space Marine that littered the area, and the Rupert went over the whole facility with the adept.
4: Eventually, the team we requested arrived. We were surprised to see not one, but three Inquisitors step off the shuttle, followed by a Space Marine in black armor. The next few days were a blur of interviews, which we all found incredibly uncomforting, especially when the Astartes kept asking how we killed the Traitor Marine. That guy made us all very uneasy, and Twitch started muttering about Chaos Marine infiltrators. Sarge hit him and told him to shut the fuck up before he got us all purged. There was a lot of talk about which we overheard, but didn't pay much attention to. There was a bunch of stuff about alphas and legions and recruiting worlds and genes and seeds, and none of it really bothered us or concerned us. We just hung out until they decided they were done with us, then got the fuck out of there on the first Navy ship going back Oaks Way. To our surprise, we weren't the only passengers on the ship. The entire batch of sisters had apparently seen too much and was being called into inquisitorial service. The sister superior and her squads would be joining one of the inquisitors' retinues, but he had no real need for a hospitaler and sent her off to be one uh, to be one oak for reassignment. Doc was incredibly happy about this. We'd been dreading how mopey he was going to get when it was time to go, but this was almost worse. The man was a complete sap, and none of us could stand talking to him during the trip home. Couldn't even tease him properly. He just sort of dreamily nod at anything we said. Eventually, we just rearranged the cabins so they were next to each other and left them to whatever they wanted to do. At least one of us was getting some.
2: The the trip went back, went quickly. Sarge spent most of it in the med bay with the Rupert and the Adept getting the report in order for Oak. This one was a doozy. It sounded like a story you'd hear in a bar, but the other requesters' reports back it up, so hopefully Oak would believe us. We all speculated about whether or not he tried to promote Sarge again and we all get increase the pay in something. Not every team can take down a freaking cocksucking Marine. When we reached Oak's ship, the doc bid a tearful goodbye to the hospitaler as she went off to the damn short boot camp. Oak put all of his recruits through. This one was just at the little end of the ship. Uh, It was like she was being set to the Eye of Terror or something, the whole sap. After we were all said and done, we went down to our section's ship and filled it with the rest of the boys about Crisp. There were a lot of sad faces at the end of the story, but everyone agreed it was a pretty cool way to go. One of the other troopers said that Crisp had signed up with one of the death cults during the last mission, which really did explain a lot. We all drank to his memory and hoped he was laughing with the big E. The call down to Oak's office finally came, and we all got to stand there and look decorative. Well, he talked with Rupert about the mission. This time, there was no way he could turn down a promotion to full Inquisitor. Even if he did need another medical leave to go get a second Augmatic arm, the man glowed with pride as Oak praised him for not only removing the cults that kept the planet from being an excellent recruitment world, but also for finding and destroying a chaos operation that was using it for the same purpose. We all winced when he used terms like level-headed and keeping your men alive, but overall, the man deserved his praise.
0: When the interview was over and the Rupert finished swearing to come back for us when he got his new arm, Oak asked us all to stick around for a few minutes. He kept it simple. He was very happy with our performance as a team and wanted to know if there were any requests we'd like to make for our future deployments. Twitch was about to say something along the lines, no psychers or clerics ever again. But Sarge hushed him and pondered the question. Finally, he asked if the squad as a whole could be issued some more robust weaponry, the guns Just hadn't been cutting it lately. Then, as an afterthought, he asked if Oak could see to assigning a certain new recruit to permanently shipboard duty instead of sending her out on missions. Oak agreed and sent us on our way. Doc was practically skipping as we left. We all headed out for some R and R, we talked with the boys, drank in the bar, and generally had a good time. Doc repeatedly made the several hour journey to the training section of the ship. We all gave him shit for it. A definite high point was receiving a crateful of hot shot lads guns that said cur- courtesy of Assistant Quartermaster, Nubby. oh Eventually our time ran out and we started waiting for our next mission. We speculated about what sort of insane interrogator or crazy assignment we'd get this time. We had tons of theories, but none of them were close to what we actually got.
4: Instead of a runner telling us to report to a shuttle or a personal visit from our new interrogator, we got orders to report to Oak's office. When we entered, there was no one else there beside Oak and a single tech priest. There wasn't any long mission brief or bullshit about promoting Sarge again. Oak simply said that we'd proven to be trustworthy men, and he was sending us to assist in the procurement of a new ship for his recruitment fleets. We would be acting under his authority and were expected to behave professionally. That said, he introduced the tech priest as the agent who would be handling the actual inspection and procurement, then sent us on our way. We followed the silent tech priest down to a fancier-than-usual shuttle and stepped inside. We were met by a bunch of other Cogboys who chatted away at the senior tech priest while we stood there. Eventually, someone noticed us and a monotone voice directed us towards a side room where we'd meet the Representative from Supply. Sarge opened the door and jumped backwards with a shout. There are some things that shouldn't be seen from less than a foot away. And Nubby's face was one of those things.
2: He's back. He's here. Hooray. Return of the King.
4: Is he really a king? That was a, a good
2: chapter.
0: That was a very long chapter, but that was a very good chapter.
4: That was an incredibly
0: long Return chapter. The, the, it was
4: this was over the, sixteen thousand
0: words.
2: Huh? <laughs> what would what? be underneath the, uh, uh, so a so the pawn? Well, what it what it what is uh? The what duke. is nubby in chess terms? The duke? He's
4: the duke. That's not a chess. I don't care about chess terms.
2: <laughs> he's a
4: rook. He's not holy enough to be a bishop. He's not <laughs> noble enough to be a knight. And he's sure as fuck not cool enough to be a rook. Damn. Z- and he's got a cock so he can't be the queen.
2: Oh my god. Mark's alive. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh. He oh returned. God. He, the re- oh Inquisition, God.
0: returned him to us. I can there was definitely no pause. Happened. Oh yeah. Well, all we heard was that the in- Inquisition took you and wouldn't say anything, so we were <laughs> yeah. slightly concerned.
3: I thought you
4: got your foot stuck in the toilet. I, I was gonna have to cut it out <laughs> later.
3: No, no, that was the first recording. That, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, okay.
4: oh yeah. Right. Okay, okay. Cool.
3: Door stuck. So door stuck. How how did the story end? Was it magical? Did all? Oh, my it was magical. a uh,
4: Chris, they they found a giant chaos marine, and that was the final
0: boss. And, <laughs> oh God. Uh, They were yeah, they, they were had were
3: to... fucked. Now I'm they had no the, lore They had expert, to have their they're fucked.
0: I'm pretty sure you are a lore expert. I'm pretty sure that's like your thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know more than all three of us combined.
3: <laughs> no, I just know the
0: memes. It's fine. That's okay. fair. That's yeah. that's you're like most people. <laughs> Yeah, they uh they fought a uh, Nurgle cult and then they fought a uh, corn cult and then they went to a big temple and killed a bunch of uh like undivided cult and then a uh, Alpha Legion dude was like, Hey, you wanna join us? And their flamer trooper was like ha, 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 boom and uh blew up and Twitch blew him <laughs> up. Yeah. He he liquefied like, himself and the marine And then the Sisters of Battle were were called, and they were like, you did not do that. So Twitch won't be And they're like,
4: yeah, we did that. then they called him, Twitch
0: Twitch will be fine, he just has no explosions right now. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and
4: Doc also now has a big-titty Sister of Battle, GF.
0: (laughs) Of course. Their their last guns were uh, were traded out for hotshot last guns.
3: Yeah, those are pretty sweet.
0: Oh yeah, which made me think of the scene in the uh, the first um, *Gone to Ghost* novel, where a, a guardsman just turns his last gun up really, really hot and just fucking shoots an Iron Warrior in the head and blows its fucking head off. And he's like, "Look,
3: <laughs> yeah, jeez." Uh last are one of the craziest weapons. Um, oh yeah, they're they're battery packs you can actually throw them in the campfire and then they'll heat Mm -hmm. up and recharge and then you'll be able to use it now you can't do that often it will fucking fry the battery pack but still that's a pretty neat trick
0: yeah i like the uh the whole point like the whole time in Gaunt's ghost they're like don't overcharge your last gun because it'll conserve ammunition (laughs) and then the one guy's just like haha I accidentally forgot to uh, turn it back down and Gauntz is like, dude, you know what? Good job.
3: <laughs> yeah, good luck surviving long enough to use all that
2: ammo. Oh, yeah. Now, Mark, uh, now that you're not... back...
0: Yes, now that you've been here the whole time. <laughs> uh, I, have,
2: I, have some, I have a heretical question to ask you.
3: Okay, lay it on me.
2: It, it depends on your, the answer to this question. Did Magnus <laughs> do anything wrong?
3: <laughs> uh i think everyone is constantly doing things wrong in 40k um you know as much as i'm a fan of genocide as we all are you know i
0: do oh, still yes. think it's wrong so that's crazy talk <laughs> Oh okay
2: and also on the topic of chaos with magnus do you have a favorite chaos god
3: um, I'm definitely Chinch. I'm definitely always plodding and scheming.
0: His, uh, I thought you were going to say Malal. Malal. <laughs> oh, I love Malal. I love Hushut. I'm a big Hushut guy. <laughs> uh, did you see Chinch's army in Total War Warhammer 3? Uh, no, I haven't. That, that shit's crazy. Okay. Blue horrors and pink horrors are fucking bananas. which is to be expected in the
3: game they're like these like flaming beasts and you can kill them and then they spawn more and it there's these never-ending flame demons it sucks it's the worst to deal Mm -hmm. with
0: i just like the funny noises they make in warhammer 3
3: (laughs) i want to hear it what do they sound like
0: okay they're like now, Sergio, can you pitch shift that by, like, half an octave? <laughs> sure. Um, Let's see. Ooh, here's a good question. Uh, What's your favorite piece of, like, fan content for 40K? And why is it the all-guardsmen party?
3: <laughs> well, it's the all-guardsmen party because you guys are just
0: wonderful readers. So I really enjoy oh, that. Thank you. That. Yeah. Don't compliment me too much. It goes straight to my head. <laughs> Um, we get
3: lots of like, listener lore. like we've had hundreds of submissions of just people's own fan writing and stuff. And mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed some of the Christmas ones that we've gotten. Like they're just not standard 40 K stories, but I don't know, they're always grim dark and there's always this weird plot twist where yeah, it's just. Some people are good at writing, and it comes through, and it's not just like bolter porn. They can write a good story. They can build some suspense, add some quirky 40K humor.
2: Hell yeah. But uh... hmm. Speaking yeah. on that fan content, though, what do you think about the whole Games Workshop controversy with their new stance on it?
0: Well, that's actually kind of a dated question, because they kind of announced in their most recent... Uh, investor meeting that they're gonna continue to let people make content for free no they, they doubled down the on
2: it they recently changed the, the website with more rules did they? yeah they did
0: when the fuck, when the fuck did that
2: happen? Uh, a few days ago because I sent Matt a thing on it yeah
4: they, damn um, they basically said yeah you definitely can't do this it almost looked like they were saying you couldn't even make fan art from commissions
3: which yeah, is... like that's insane. Like GW's taking it to a level of stupid. and I haven't liked them as a company for many years. They they do uh-huh. not treat us well. Oh yeah. Fuck them.
0: It's just so
4: funny because they're sitting on this fucking giant IP. Yeah. And it feels like they could have been light years ahead of where they are right now if they'd allowed a little bit easier fan content progression or things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's there's been a lot in the past.
3: Yeah, we've it feels had like they don't... waves where it's, like, popular, and then they're, like, really engaged with the community, and then they've shut it all down, and then it will slowly get the backlash. Like, it's been waves, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. It feels like they don't understand the, like, Titan that is, like, Astartes. Obviously, they understand Astartes was popular, but they clearly don't understand why Astartes was popular.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, they. they they just make a lot of questionable decisions and I don't know. I think they're a shitty company personally. They they're not ideal. I can
4: agree with that. They definitely make big mistakes that they shouldn't make. And it's it's not like it's hard to not make the mistakes. Just think about it. Yeah. Personally for like ten minutes as a fan and you'll know what you they should be doing. And they do almost the exact opposite most of the time.
3: Yeah. But uh, hey, at the same time, they got that sweet plastic crack. So what are we gonna do?
0: Oh yeah, I'm gonna start huffing it.
3: Yeah, man.
4: Definitely oh, man. not 3D print. You know, nobody's gonna. Oh yeah, I would, gonna do
0: that. I would hear we hear it. So you think you can fan it? Would never, ever, ever condone piracy or. You know, finding the the STL files for replicas of the models online so you can go and buy a resin printer and print them out yourself so you don't have to give them money. We would never, ever, in a million billion years, ever condone that because that's piracy and that's wrong. You wouldn't download a space mine, would you? You wouldn't download a car. I'd probably
3: pirate a boat. I think I could do that. Oh, yeah. Well, boats are. I would fund
2: a token.
0: <laughs> so you're a big lore guy. Yes. <laughs> As we've established. <laughs> we established. So I want to hear your thought on uh do you think we're gonna be getting any redeemed prime mm, that's
3: a good question.
0: Um There seem to be a lot of hints in the um was it the what was the most recent trilogy? The Dark was it the Dark Imperium trilogy? Yeah. They just made it into a trilogy where where it seems like Mortarian's kinda like turning away the, the Nurgle and kinda having a bro moment with, with Gilliman and uh and yeah. Biggie.
3: Here's my thoughts on that. Anyone who wants that doesn't know the true nature of 40k, we are not dealing in a good setting where you can redeem yourself. No man, uh-huh. if you fell to chaos, that's it. The line has been drawn. You're a heretic now. There's no coming back. And we see that for the ten thousand year long crusade that the Imperium has done, they're not just gonna be like, oh, welcome back into the good graces. Like, no, no, no. There's I think that is another horrible move that GW would do where it's people that don't uh-huh. fully understand the setting and they're just trying to do things to appease maybe new people or just sell miniatures or what. Whatever oh, yeah. it may
0: be. You don't you don't think that they could use the excuse of like the emperor being uh like, more powerful, because he's worshipped more as a god, and would have the ability to do that, or anything like that? You just yeah. think it's, like, a no-no all around?
3: Yeah, it's just, that's not the setting. We're dealing with a religious dogmatic universe that mm-hmm. they don't give you second chances.
0: That would and, be, like, introducing a new type of space marine. That'd be fucking ridiculous.
3: It would be, like, well, what the fuck are you guys doing over there?
2: <laughs> I I think that not, not like a um Mortarion uh what's it called Mortar- Mortarion is redeemed and the Imperium welcomes him back from the like the like the open arms but like he 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 realizes what he's done and then he does something like like he strikes down like Typhus to save Gilliman and then Nurgle's like well I own your soul goodbye Mortarion and there's like a um he like Gilliman's like oh fuck or goes my brother or whatever do I
0: mean, they need do they want to i don't think they'd kill off mortarian now. He, has, he has his his mini is too succulent and large
3: yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> well they can
0: keep selling his mini after he's dead
4: um, they don't
3: even kill low level space marine heroes they are not going to kill a fucking primarch. They're talking about bringing primarchs that are already fucking dead back to life. That's how insane GW is.
0: You mean you mean like they already did, they already did with Gilman? <laughs> I mean Gilman was, really was never released. was never dead.
3: Exactly.
4: Vulcan lives. Vulcan lives.
3: Vulcan lives. Vulcan does he loves.
0: That, that makes me so sad that we'll never con- see the continuation of Bro Trip 40k. It is quite sad, but I
4: have to ask Mark, what's, what would be your dream? Games Workshop uh, just collapses tomorrow. They're just <laughs> frantically flipping through the books. Fuck, fuck, who do we hire? Fuck. And they find uh, this guy named Mark Lore Hammerson, and they uh, throw <laughs> the entire lore at you, and they say, okay, please God. God help us. What do you want us to do? What would you do if you had total absolute control over everything at Games Workshop's writing department?
3: So, one of the things I've really liked about GW is they usually do include room for people like us to write stuff. They're very open to write your own lore for your army. So, if it was up to me, I would open up to community. I would let people actually maybe have like a like a page where people can actually submit their chapter or their lore to the official annals of the lexicon or whatever. And I would do that. Let people share what they're doing. Um, I think the setting was best when it was just this like grimdark setting. It's not a story. It's a setting where people build their own stories in. So I would like to see more mm-hmm. interaction personally. That's what I would do.
2: So Hmm. what you're telling me is you would get on top of the game's workshop building and you would proclaim all pieces of fiction written on AO3 and fanfiction.net would hereby be canon. (laughs) But not Wattpad. But not Wattpad.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's what I would try to do. Some type of like application process where if your lore is actually good, you can get it into the history of 40k. You know
2: something I would do? Mm-hmm. Um, I I would love to see like uh, official Dornian heresy slash Rebusian heresy models, like like it mm-hmm. like if they took one of those uh like, alternate heresies and like made them like a, a fi- officially unofficial part of the Warhammer lore. Like it's clearly yeah. in an alternate universe, but we're like, yeah, you can write books for it, and we'll make models for it. Here's
4: something sure, I, I find cool. really, I find really funny. Aren't we still releasing Horus Heresy novels? Like, we still don't actually have an yeah. entire series of the, books. The Horus know? Heresy has not ended oh, no. yet.
0: We're still in the Siege of Terra.
2: We're getting there. It's crazy.
0: Why? Yeah, but you bet your ass they are going to pen it out for another ten <laughs> books.
4: Is that not the definition of fucking lore bloat?
0: Like, yeah, man.
4: we're on the Primaris yeah. Marines. We're Yeah. The Horus Heresy is done. Gotta be done with this shit. Yeah, but yeah. it sells well. It does sell. That's the scary thing. Is it's still selling well?
2: Well, yeah. And once they finish the Siege of Terra, I've heard rumors that they're gonna do like a a, a series on the Great Scouring and just fully flesh out all that pre lore.
0: It's gonna turn. It, it's gonna. It's it's gonna bloat into like Star Wars canon levels, where it's just like, like we we know every instance of like every detail of what every character has done in the last thirty thousand years of lore but the thing is i wouldn't and, even say and if that... a book comes out that contradicts anything we will just shun it
4: <laughs> yeah, i wouldn't
0: even say that star wars canon was
4: all that bloated because we didn't have anything after it for the most part whereas this is literally just one the defining moment in the entire setting is still to this day being written despite the fact that it what it was originally like 30 years ago that it was released yeah like just the concept um,
3: of it well like we've had it written down many times actually there's a couple really cool graphic novels like i, I
0: think, think even as early Horseracy.
3: and yeah they as have early cool as story. first
0: or second edition like yep. the, the the main books would mention the arch trader horus striking down the emperor
3: yeah, yeah the, the broad strokes like were a, written mm-hmm. well no we even have like a full-on written story narrative like the emperor said this to horus and then Like, we have a full-on back-and-forth narrative in one of these graphic novels. And it's old. It's old. Mm -hmm. We've known what happened. We've always known. But GW likes to just fill in stuff that's already filled in. It's like you guys are saying with that lore bloat. It's like, no, we already have a lot of this shit. It's been written long ago. You don't need to go back and retouch it all. We don't need to know that this guy tied his shoes on Wednesday to realize it triggered this massive effect in 40K. I think it's kind of stupid.
4: I think it'd be really cool if they wrote stories about characters back then, and then just every so often they put little incidents like Dorn and Perturabo being little piss baby siblings with each other. I think that would be great for prequel novels, but just it never touches anything directly in the Horus Heresy. It just lets you know, oh, that's why yeah. they wanted to fuck with each other so much.
3: Yeah, just like little I, codex blurbs would be good where they have those nice little quarter page lore reading things, you can get a nice little understanding, but you don't need the whole picture.
4: You don't need to tell me that Dorn stole Pertorabo's peanut butter jelly sandwich ten years ago, and that he's still really angry about it today.
0: Yeah. Dorn, Dorn replaced all of his Legos with Mega Blocks, and you'll never forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a
3: bitch. Yeah.
0: I will uh, say, some of the some of the books I do like are, like, the I, I think the Primark novels... Like themselves, like the prequel Primark novels, are very interesting. Especially, I think they did well with the uh with the Alfarius one, because you know the 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 contention of of backstory for Alfarius was very 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 contradictory, yeah. and they managed to they managed to wrap it up in a way that uh still kind of keeps the contradiction, while also Uh, sorry, my mom texted me. While while also keeping the uh like consistency of plot that modern forty k has, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think I I I just think that's that's a very neat concept. I think Um, I can. What
3: are your guys' favorite Primark or a Legion? Maybe what appeals to you?
0: I play hmm. Smurfs, so I like I like Gilly. Jake just because I, li- I I I have always uh, shut up.
3: <laughs> I know.
0: No, I <laughs> e- growing up, I was very in a Greek culture, and the fact that the ultra Marie- Mac can vouch for that because I I read a lot of Percy Jackson books as a kid. <laughs> yes, which is, yes, he did. What's the op? I guess the opposite of dating myself with that statement. Zoomerifying myself.
4: Um, well, you're still dating yourself, just dating yourself very recently.
0: Yeah. And um. So I was very into those, and so the 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 like Greek culture of Ultramar and everything, I thought was very interesting. Uh, even though they don't really lean into it anymore with with the Primaris Ultramarines, they all just kind of look like normal ass Space Marines.
3: Yeah, just kind of down, down of the setting, man. Just. But yeah, Ultramar um... is a sweet, man. Like. Uh one of the yeah gilliman on his 40k model like the the the, the leather little straps that hang the abbed ribbed armored torso oh it's so good i love that theme the i love
0: the yeah i love that his name is on his shoulder pauldron i just we we, we talk about that all the we time joke, that's we our joke, joke about people having names on their shoulder pauldrons because <laughs> we just it cracks us it cracks us up
3: well, everyone's making fun of the dude's name. He's like, "Just look at the name tag, please."
4: God, who, who is that man in ultramarine armor, wielding a flaming sword and wearing a wreath? That is—is is that God? Who is? Oh, he has a name, a name tag. Oh, oh it's Ro, It's not Rogel Dorn. It's Rabute Gilliman. Thank God, I could have never known thank who God, that God. was.
0: They both have they both have blondish hair. I could have never t- decide like distinguished <laughs> the two. I do also have a soft spot for Dorn because the first like Matt Matt can attest that the first uh space marine chapter that we were ever really uh, exposed to in in bulk was the uh black templars for obvious reasons. Fuck yeah. Yes, because yes. the, the black chapter. templars are pretty. I, I don't think it's controversial to say that the black templars are the most well known. And popular chapter. Yeah, yeah I feel like that's a fair statement. We did a uh, we did a panel at a convention a f- few months ago about like like mm-hmm. general Warhammer faction guides for people who wanted to get into it. That's just like if you like this and this and this, uh, this is what you'd like. And we did we did sub factions too. And w- w- Sergey and I were researching, and I I just go wow. There's way more stuff for the for the fucking Black Templars than there are the Imperial Fists, and that's kind of sad. Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's really sad for me because I like the Imperial Fists. Of course, I don't know like a whole the- lot about all of the legions anyway, so I kind of just like them by default. But
3: eh. <laughs> they got a cool color the, scheme. What else is there?
0: The Black Templars have, I think, I, I think I did. Um... Counted out three or four times the amount of like exclusive HQ units that the uh that the Imperial Fist do. With the release of uh the new models for ninth.
3: Nice. Yeah, they got some really cool sculpts nowadays.
0: Oh yeah. like that's another thing. Like the fucking ultramarine sculpts for ninth edition are just like oh it's just a space marine and he's blue but the fucking black templars are like so accurate to like classic black templar and it's so cool and i hope to god that i know nobody wants a, a fucking refresh for ultramarine models but like <laughs> a new tra- a new tra- like upgrade transfer kit maybe
3: what would you yeah. want on that transfer kit
0: um more more helmet plumes Oh, mostly
1: yes
0: <laughs> cuz the the helmet plume goes hard and they do not use it
2: enough yeah Jake, you're just saying that cuz you play ultramarines
0: yeah that is literally exactly what i was saying <laughs> more more helmet plumes for ultramarines cuz like the the ultramarines primaris upgrade kit i'm looking at it right now it comes with uh shoulder pauldrons that look slightly different um uh, one helmet <laughs> that has an ultramarine logo on it and the rest are just heads and swords in uh in vox cast while the classic one has helmets with plumes on them and the uh like the like the the, the gladiator like leather strap codpiece and ultramarine swords with the with the fucking logo on it and even, like all the shoulder pauldrons are super unique and that's cool. The
3: so the most important question is do you like your helmet plumes uh front to back or side to side?
0: I I think I like them side to side because it gives them a better profile. Like a better front profile.
3: Yeah, okay, okay.
0: Although I guess if it's I guess if it's front to back like a mohawk, like if if you're in like a like a two thirds angle or a side angle, it would also look good. I think I've come to the conclusion that I'm not picky.
3: <laughs> you take what you can get when it comes to helmet plumes.
0: Oh, yeah. Helmet plumes are helmet plumes, and that's all that really mattered. Um, like, some of the older minis for the Ultramarines are so cool. And you look at them in ninth, they're just like Primaris Space Marines with no unique designs. Like, the, the I, I think the Ultramarine uh tyrannic war veteran minis are some of my favorite they look so cool like the armor and just how fucked up they look and the
3: bionics
0: oh yeah yeah the scars the bionics the the unique armor because you know of course
3: the other really cool ultramarine miniatures were the honor guard and when i think ultramarines i always picture them oh yes yes I love
0: those and the, winged helmets and oh mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It's it's just it's kind of sad. Games Workshop, if you're listening to this, um hire us. Hire us to uh to, to design minis um so we can make make things look more unique. So we don't have so we don't have a, a big army of Ultramarines and a big army of uh, Imperial Fists and a big army of salamanders that all look the same with the exception of collies.
3: Have you guys seen those cool new Eldar minis that are coming out? Specifically the Avatar of Kane.
0: The I was about to say the Avatar of Kane goes so fucking hard. Yeah man. Oh, I was gonna say I do actually really like the Yuri Adventures Mini that they that they made. It it, it it gives me big classic ultramarine mini vibe. Cause you know, it, 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 plays into the Roman aesthetic, Greek Roman aesthetic.
2: Speaking of models, I was just reminded of the time when, uh, when ninth edition came out and I was posting the new models in the chat and I posted the, posted the void dragon and Matt's like, what's this one? And I'll go, Oh, that's the void dragon. And he was like, that's not a dragon.
0: <laughs> that's
3: not a dragon.
2: That's just <laughs> sexy.
0: <laughs>
3: Oh, do you <laughs> did you ever clarify any more to him or?
0: Oh no, just, no, no I mean, you. i knew
2: what the void dragon was. It's just we both were like, well, I just I just assumed it was a dragon. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. When they say void dragon, I'm like, ooh, that's like ooh the mine the Minecraft dragon, the oh, Minecraft dragon.
1: dragon. <laughs>
0: I love the Elder Dragon or the the End Dragon. Fuck, too much Monster Hunter in my life um here's a here's a semi-related warhammer ish question you you have read a lot of fan fiction on your podcast in relation to 40k have you ever written whether Um, it be for 40k or not yeah were were you a fanfic kid
3: um yeah like i've written a lot of 40k stuff and uh i've also Mm. been like uh DM dungeon master for many different games, so I've written worlds and I've done that. Like I'm, I'm a very creative person. That's kind of my escape there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we've I've recorded a bunch of like my my lore that I've written and put it on Lorehammer and stuff, and. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, it's kind of been fun to. Yeah, you know, get get worldwide criti- criticism on it, see what people like, see what people don't like, and.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Fair enough. Um, where do you think that Warhammer is going to go from here? Like the setting or the the game? Obviously, the game is snowballing in popularity with the with the advent of of COVID nineteen. Um, a lot of people got into the hobby because they had nothing else to do, including me, <laughs> with <laughs> the painting side. Um. What what are your thoughts on just like in general? Do you think it's gonna get bigger? Do you think it's gonna? Do you think the bubble's gonna burst?
3: Um, yeah, eventually the bubble will burst, but I don't think we're anywhere close. Um, there's that Eisenhorn TV show that's coming out. Oh yeah, I'm like excited for that. I feel like that's gonna take it just that next level where now it's in the mainstream on TV.
0: Oh yeah, I've been saying uh, for a while. I think if they want to make any TV shows, um. They need to get Henry Cavill to be in it, whether it be fantasy or 40k.
3: Yeah, I've been uh, getting my entire listener base to Instagram, Henry Cavill on Twitter and Instagram saying, come on, Lorehammer. It's, you know, one of the biggest 40k podcasts, blah, 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 blah. But so far, nothing.
0: Mm -hmm. I know um, the YouTuber Midwinter Minis tried to get him on for like a charity event and he never got back to him. Yeah. A busy guy you know
3: what like so now this yeah. is a crazy situation my co-host eric his girlfriend's sister cousin or something is henry cavill or something like that there's like three degrees so i'm like dude come on just three message degrees. that's him. crazy
0: like, <laughs> you yo, big age.
3: yeah so i you know hopefully that's my end game get him on my show as well and that's the goal for all of us nerds i think more henry cavill oh yeah
0: I, th- I think everyone, I'd say uh, not everyone, most people's nerd goal is just being Henry Cavill, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you know what's cool? Uh, I've gone on like this cool weight loss
3: journey in COVID, and I've lost like 60 oh, yeah. pounds, and I've become like super muscle. That's awesome. So, you know, people have been calling me Primark, and that's nice. Uh-huh. Uh, but Henry Cavill is an inspiration, you know? You want to look cool. Oh, for sure. If you want to play with miniatures.
0: People you got that, uh, like when I'm at work, all the all the middle aged women are like Henry Cattle's so hot, and I'm like, dude, did you see the video of him building a computer? That was so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, I felt so crazy. represented. I watched Superman build a PC and show off his fucking custodians.
3: Yeah, man. Inspiration. I love people like that.
0: Inspire mm-hmm. us to be better and cooler. Every hobby needs a needs a needs a Henry Cavill. I think they should get Henry Cavill to t- to star in a to start a Sigmar TV show where he where it's like the origins of the 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 empire.
3: Would you and Sigmar see him in Sigmar than 40K? Um I feel like Sigmar might just be too close to like the Witcher role. I think I'd rather see him in like a different kind of vibe, you know.
0: That's fair, but I think if it's a more of a forty k role, then it would be i I think forty k does is too split up in among various characters and locations if that makes sense. it's got a grander scale than just like one like a man tries to establish Empire,
3: yeah, I see what you're saying.
2: I can't really think of like an established forty k character I would want Henry to portray other than like oh i think he could be like a space marine or something like that
0: Mm -hmm. it would be cool if he was eisenhorn but i know he's not going to be yeah yeah Yeah, i know i know what you're saying
3: there are some actors that i can definitely picture as like Horace or somebody mm -hmm. you know but yeah i can't really picture him as anyone
0: there's not really like any any like properties i could see them making a tv show out of besides like eisenhorn a Gaunt's Ghost series would be cool, but I couldn't see Henry Cavill playing anyone in that. Obviously, I don't see Henry Cavill as a Commissar Gaunt.
2: Oh, here's a here's a question for Mark. Um, Dream Warhammer casting, like, like, like. I like, thought like, you like, were just like... gonna
0: end it with Dream.
2: <laughs> <A> dream. <laughs> Are you a
0: fan? Uh... SMP Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I
2: don't know. What well, that okay, is. so one, one, one perfect <laughs> Warhammer cast and then one absolutely horrible Warhammer cast. Go.
3: Okay, uh, I believe his name is Mark Strong, and he's Mark
2: Strong. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah Horus for me.
2: I can see hey that. Oh, I see that.
3: And then worse he was a cast... Titus
2: in the original Space Marine. Hmm. Oh
3: yeah, I, sh- he I was. should Google this guy's. Picture if I'm make sure I'm talking about the right guy Mark
0: Strong naked. Yep, that's him. <laughs> Hold on, Strong. Mark Strong naked? Is that what you just Googled? <laughs> what? I'm seeing his balls. <laughs> what, the, what, what is
3: happening? Uh, okay, well, we'll p- skip past that. Uh, and the worst <laughs> pick would be you okay. as the emperor.
2: Oh. Did you say you as the emperor?
3: Yeah, that would be the worst casting choice. I would I cast Matt as the
2: Emperor. That would be I good. Would,
0: casting. I disagree. I would cast Nick as the Emperor.
4: <laughs> that would be <laughs> much funnier.
3: Matt, Matt could play <laughs> uh, Alcador the Sedelite. You've
0: found guilty of <laughs> thawing it up in the, imperial, <laughs> in the Imperial Palace. And for
2: that, you shall die. Jack Black is the voice of Gazkul Mazurk Urukthraka.
3: That's awful. I hate that so much. <laughs> no,
2: Chris, Chris uh, Pratt.
0: No, Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt should play Fulgrim. No, Chris Pratt is Gilliman.
2: <laughs>
0: Directed by James Gunn.
2: <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is Conrad Kurz.
4: <laughs> it's a picture yeah, of I him dressed with Conrad, Conrad Kurz.
0: Sorry. With the you know the meme where it's like more, right, black and white RDJ and it says there a federal agent that's on my house. It's <laughs> that image, but just true. as cur- Yeah, we are in the screaming gallery, and that's all it says. <laughs> so, <laughs> what you saying? Just
3: talking about naming or like who do we picture as characters? Um, I I don't know if I really do picture like 40k in live action ever. I I just feel like it always feels so weird when you see space marines mm-hmm. next to, oh yeah, you know. And how do you do some of the, the xenomorphs or not xenomorphs,
0: xenos? Like yeah, I can agree with that.
3: Yeah, it's always weird. I've yet to see it done like where it's like okay, that feels right. Or now the space marines, they don't feel like they have mass to
0: them, or you mm-hmm. know, that's why I think like a fantasy show would work better.
3: Yeah, yeah. Because that it's a sense.
0: lot more grounded as, like, human-based. Because, you know, impressed- we've seen shows where people do humans and dwarves and elves. I
4: think there is another thing to consider, which is the simple fact that fantasy takes place on a planet. Well,
0: yes. Or decay takes world.
4: place in a galaxy and yeah, interdimensional in conflicts. Galaxy. It's way easier for you to just do sort of any random i mean bullshit. fantasy
0: has interdimensional conflict you just don't see the interdimension
4: right but it's it's limited to like the population of an earth whereas in 40k the way they word the setting it's not actually that unusual for entire planets to just be lost in an entire conflict one of my favorite <laughs> quotes is if the guardsmen lose a million people in the span of a 12-hour battle with the orcs or the tyranids, that is a shocking, startling success of unparalleled bounds, which is insane to me to think about that loss of life. But that's just how the 40k universe works. And it's it's just difficult to even wrap your head around how big those conflicts are. Whereas fantasy, oh. it's like a dude got a little pissed that he didn't get his crown, <laughs> so he had a piss baby tantrum for the next 50 years.
0: Sigvald. Much- uh, the lore of Sigvald is amazing.
4: <laughs> Sigmalding.
0: <laughs> Sigvald, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me a question I wanted to ask you. If you could change one thing about 40k lore, what would it be? I know my answer, and it is the scale of battles, because the battle scaling in 40k sucks.
3: <laughs> yeah, like it you always hear people complain about like numbers in 40k. Like anytime they put a number, they're always so mm-hmm. off. So maybe I'd get rid of that. And that kind of even is kind of would solve your
0: problem too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a better way to work. Cause like, even like they're like, Oh, there's only a thousand space marines in the chapter. That's yeah.
2: So that's like one space own,
0: yeah. marine per planet. Yeah.
2: It's, that's terrible.
0: In the galaxy. Like, Oh, okay.
3: it's on.
2: Um, it's, it's like, I complained. It's not a Warhammer problem. It's a general like sci-fi problem. Sci-fi writers do not understand scale whatsoever.
0: Cause yeah, like, yeah, a million space marine sounds like a lot. But, like, how, how many people are in the US military? Uh, 481,000 troops in active duty for the army alone. So, there are more people in the US military than there are space marines guarding an entire galaxy. Yeah, which is and... in, in, ridiculous. Yeah. You know, like, dr- dr- add like three zeros to every number, and I think that solves most issues.
2: Yeah, there's got to be something like like he, the human population's got to be like in the quadrillions, and they're still going. Yeah, five million guardsmen died in the uh this battle, and it's a lot. It's like no, a hundred million people died during sure, World War II.
0: I'm sure that's less than a fraction of a percent of people born daily in the Imperium of Man.
4: I think the the issue is when they say five million people die, it's not. 5 million people from the whole Imperium lost at the problem. It's 5 million people in that section of the galaxy that you have a hard time replenishing very quickly. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the other thing is, I think Space Marines are just so... The, the time scale and the scale of Space Marine experience is just so comically fucking exaggerated beyond compare. Like, we were talking about um, Star Wars versus the 40K universe. And the fact that Space Marines are each several thousand-year-old tempered warriors who have been through countless bullshit, it's really cool, but it's also, like, it's just difficult to even understand that level of power. Like, Master Yoda from Star Wars isn't even a thousand years old.
3: Um, I'll just kind of counter you with this. While, yes, the oldest Space Marine that we know is 1,700 years old, most maybe only have a couple centuries, which is still pretty fucking wild yeah. and crazy.
0: But right? considering the like the age of like, uh, you know, like a normal human, it's like a few hundred years. Yeah, it, yeah, it like, also kind of uh, puts it into perspective.
3: Yeah, but I know what you're saying, like, 40k is intentionally, everything is just dialed up to that 11 where, you know, yeah, the super soldiers are going to be way powerful and way more than you could ever deal with. Oh, yeah, they can spit acid, by the way, you know?
4: Yes.
0: That they never do. They
2: eat people's brains to learn memories. Oh, we we were talking about this. Do you know of an instance where a space marine actually spits acid at somebody or uses it to, like, get out of handcuffs or something?
3: I'm sure I've read it somewhere but I I can't recall exactly cuz
2: we were talking about like space marine organ abilities that they say they have but they never use like the you take a bite out of something and see the last 6 hours. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that one you rarely see. Now, a lot of these chapters too, like we have 10,000 years of history. So in 30K, they had all their gene seed, but a lot of chapters in 40K, they actually don't have the ability to spit acid or consume memories or yeah. um, some of these uh-huh. other crazier ones that you never hear about. So
0: mm-hmm. I'm just no, trying to I make have...
3: excuses for for them. You know, I'm a GW shill at the end of the
0: day. So. <laughs> oh yeah, we all are, unfortunately. Now, I have, a. I have to go soon. So I will, I have one more question that I want to ask you before we wrap this thing up. Are you an Aragorn girl or a Legolas girl?
3: <laughs> Aragorn all day. The things okay. I let that man do to my body—he can wield a sword. <laughs> he can wield a cock. I can tell you that much.
1: He can wield a
0: sword. He can wield me. <laughs> I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I had. I we we had a blast. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Sorry, if you, you ever want to come back on. Toilet. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry that. Okay. Yeah. Next yeah. time, just find the plunger. Uh, if you ever want to come back on. You are absolutely free to. If you just Uh, text Sergio and say, hey, I want to be in
4: the next episode, he will let you into the next episode. Oh,
3: yeah. (laughs) We're not picky. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, Don't forget to go check out my show, show, Lorehammer Podcast. And, uh, yeah. Where can we find you? Yeah, wherever. We're on every platform now.
2: I thought you were Spotify exclusive.
3: Uh, That was like a year and a half ago. We had a one-year contract with them, but that Ah. has since ended, and we're back on every platform.
2: Doing our own Mm. and
3: making money that way, you know, doing that hustle. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! That
0: gruzzle, the Sigma gruzzle.
1: Cool. Thanks, guys.
3: Yeah, no problem.
1: We love you.